Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Catch us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, anywhere where decent podcasts are. Rate, review us on iTunes in particular. Seen a couple box head having a laugh. People saying I've been listening for seven years and I'm finally reviewing. I'll give myself a triple. Yeah. Yeah. Get on board. It's the way to be. You've got plenty of time. We're all locked up. There's no excuse here. Come on. Something for the punters. All right, quick lockdown chat before we get into it, as always. What's been happening? You got any TV shows, books, any recommendations for the punters out there? What, what are you into? Yeah, I've been watching a couple, of, a couple of different things. Cocaine Cowboys, I think it's just started on Netflix. It's like a <clears throat> documentary about um, a couple of cocaine runners in Miami in the 70s, which is pretty good. Um, I'm watching... It's called The Kings. It's about the four gun boxes in sort of the 70s and 80s in the US. So Sugar Ray, Leonard, Marvin Hagler, um, Eddie Hearns, and um, the Panamanian guy. I can't think of his name. No mask. The guy that quit. Robert, Roberto Duran. Duran, yeah. So, yeah, it just basically takes you through those rivalries, those fights, and it's pretty cool. So I've been getting on Zoom, uh, been getting on YouTube as I work my way through the documentary. It's four one-hour episodes, um, and then I just watch all the fights. You can get on YouTube and just watch the full fights because they only show you sort of highlights in, in the docos, obviously. So that's how I've been spending my days. Obviously, doing work as well, but uh, yeah, that's that's about the size. But the Luke Longley, um, Australian Story. That's another one that's on on my list. Uh, so I'll hopefully watch that in the next couple of days. And um, Hard Knock starts tomorrow. Oh, there you go. I was about to say similar. I haven't had much time because I'm back full swing and obviously essential work. We're busy. But the NFL had the first pre-season game last week, the Hall of Fame game. And then this week there's more pre-season games on. So I'm looking forward yeah, to just having... Yeah, cut their season down to only... Preseason season down to only three weeks. I like that. Yeah, I'm just keen to watch some extra sport, especially while we're locked down. So, not complaining about that, that's for sure. Nah. But, there you go. Hope everyone's doing well. So, the same thing I say every week, even if it's getting old, I don't care. Take care of yourself, those around you. Stay active. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Exercise. And we've had some inboxes. I had one this afternoon. A uh, question about the Newcastle game. I've referred you to a few people that were after some uh, reading and coaching materials that you've sorted out now um, yeah if you've got anything hit us up but 
Tackle one, getting into it. And the first thing, as we've done most weeks, is that battle for the bottom end of the ladder. And again on the weekend, we see results not go the way that most people would predict. Teams beating each other, but the Gold Coast Titans, the main beneficiary. Big win over the Cowboys, strengthen their for and against position, push up into seventh place. Still on nine wins, almost back to positive for and against. you got the Raiders. Very scrappy, but important win over the Dragons. Put themselves in on four and against. Newcastle, a tight win with a four-day turnaround. Not an easy ask. And then you've got Cronulla, the boil over. Probably the easiest draw of all those teams. A loss now putting themselves back. And why the draw may be favourable. They play Newcastle this week, which gets no easier. And then you've got the Dragons, who have just obviously been completely off the boil since Barbecue Gate. And a very, very tough run home. So... If we're looking at things now, I'd be more than confident to say, and I'm pretty sure we're already of this opinion, that the Dragons are, are toasted. Three of their games remaining, Panthers, Storm, Souths, and I think the other one might be the Cowboys or the Warriors, which, again, winnable, but pretty much means that if they win one more game, they're out of the equation. So, realistically, Titans, Raiders, Knights, Sharks, and Newcastle look to be probably in the driver's seat like we talked about. And out of the other couple of sides that remain there, I think it's probably the Titans and Cronulla. To find out for that last spot. Yeah, because you've got the Raiders who start a horror run this week. They come into the Storm. Then they play Manly. They've got the Warriors after that. And then they finish the last round of the Roosters. So given the Roosters' injury situation, there's probably a chance for two wins there. But you got Newcastle, on the other hand, who have two direct results coming up and get a nice turnaround after two tough wins. They get Cronulla this week, which would definitely solidify their position, you'd think. Um, they get the Bulldogs after that, which you couldn't ask for a better game on the run-in. Then they play the Gold Coast Titans again, directly affecting their result, and they finish off with Brisbane. So they've got the bottom two teams, and they've got the two teams closest to their position in the top eight. Yeah, I'm still... Yeah, a little bit, a little bit confused. I think look, Newcastle, they look the obvious standout, and then I think it's probably yeah one spot for Raiders, Titans, Sharks. Hmm. Well, I think the Raiders. Pretty happy, I'm pretty happy to lock, lock Newcastle in. Yeah, I think the Raiders are in an awkward position with the run they've got coming up in that last round. I guess would all come down to the state of their team and what the Roosters look like because we know they've had a horrible run. Uh, we know now why Jared Rhea Hargraves only played limited minutes on the weekend. Angus Crichton, cop a three-week suspension. He's out now, so just any time they seem like they're getting the ball rolling or finding any sort of stability and momentum, they just get kicked in the junk. Um, could Canberra be broken over the next couple of weeks, playing two tough opponents in Manly in Melbourne? Can the Gold Coast, similar deal, get through the next couple of weeks? South Sydney, a real big challenge this week, looking like they're starting to warm up. Melbourne the week after, then a direct clash for Newcastle. Like they're certainly going to earn their place in the eight if they end up getting there. Hundred percent. But um, yeah, and then you look at Cronulla. Like why the draw may be a bit favourable. They finish off with the Storm. Newcastle this week. I've got no confidence in the two games in between. The Tigers and I'm pretty sure the Broncos. We've already seen them lose to the Broncos. We've seen them lose to the Bulldogs. So it's hard to have much faith in them. Yeah, it's true. Um, so like Newcastle, like we said, seems the the logical one, but out of the rest of them, I think some things could work out for Canberra if they could sort of get to these next two weeks and pending what the Roosters and Warriors look like. 
Um, Cronulla, I don't have a lot of faith, but two results there could help. But um, yeah, what, what seemed probably a week ago like it was more so the Sharks. There might be a slim hope for the Raiders, but I, I think we definitely know that uh, Newcastle should find themselves in there. Well, the, the Raiders are going to have to beat one of those top end sides, really, aren't they? Mm. Or, like I said, the two results would get them to yeah, 11. And yeah. Cronulla are obviously a win behind now, so they have to win minimum yeah. three games. So Cronulla really let themselves down on the weekend with that loss to the Warriors. Huge. So Massive, yeah. the steering wheel is really there for Newcastle, Canberra, and the Gold Coast. For Newcastle, like I said, the draw is favourable. They're getting players back. They rested Braley four points in four days. Um, their four and against is obviously horrendous because their attack was the second worst in the competition coming into the last few weeks. So for them, the option is just to keep winning. But if they roll the Sharks this week, they're in a really, really good position uh, on the back of, as we know, Raiders-Titans having tough games this weekend. Yeah, correct. On the flip of that, Melbourne uh, defeated Manly. They threw a really good punch, almost got themselves into that position there in fourth. We know that the Roosters ended up coming up short in a tough game, which then spared the Eels for one more week, but they played Manly this week. So again, a direct attack on that top four spot. You've got the Roosters who play Brisbane, but are going to be severely short of troops. So for Parramatta, that top three, we know that's basically all but locked in, but um, that top four spot, why safe for another week? Some genuine concern there still for Parramatta, getting two bites of the cherry. Huge. Huge. I'd be shocked now if they finished top four. Mm. And uh, Melbourne... Almost a certainty, like we said. they only two points ahead, but on four and against, they'd have to lose twice. Could happen if they rest players at the back end. They've got the option to do what they'd like. You'd think they wouldn't do so unless they've got worries on blokes for injuries uh, and form. And Panthers South, more than likely, play week one. We've already said that. They're going to play in a couple of weeks. Bit of a preview there. South's definitely starting to uh, look like they're on the bubble a bit. Penrith still waiting to see if they can get all their bits and pieces back together. It was an awkward week. A reshuffle of the team again. Coruscant's at the judiciary right now. Catewell suspended. Fisher-Harris trying to get back in the bubble. Pungai Jr., horrible news for him uh, during the week in that situation. So thoughts are with him. and uh, Not sure about his situation and when he'll be rejoining. But for Penrith and Nathan being named, it's just all about getting everyone back and hopefully getting a game or two in before the finals. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, good win for them against a good side on the weekend. So mm. yeah, that's... I, yeah, they've just got a. They've still got probably two or three weeks. Grace. Yep, totally with you there. So that wraps well, up. Just don't need to don't need to stress too much. Nah, we move on from having a look at uh, how that top eight sort of shaken out. Move on to tackle two now. And speaking of that team we spoke of before, we've talked about it most weeks. It's an ongoing thing right now. But for Parramatta, uh, the murderers rose not getting any better. They lost again on the weekend, and now they've lost Eel. Uh, sorry, their gun hooker in Marnie for the rest of the season. It's it's a massive blow that they looked somewhat flat. Um, all the talk was, well, they don't have Moses, they don't have Moses, and we talked about last week, people making excuses and Campbell Gillard going off. You look at the Roosters, you look at Melbourne's constant reshuffling, playing to the origin period. South got to the origin period. Um, most teams have had to overcome some sort of hurdle and bringing Moses yeah, back the in. Is, the fact of the matter is they're, they're just not, they're not a strong roster. Well, I've heard this claim by a few people this week, and I, I disagree. I think it's an underperforming roster. No, I disagree. If you've got... They've got Marnie out now. They, they just don't have the depth of those other clubs. Simple as that. Melbourne have got a production line, and that, that comes back to recruitment and retention. 
Yeah, well, to me, they've produced rep players, so that excuse to me went out the window. They've yeah, got but that's... Marnie's an origin-style player. Campbell Gillard, you know, you had Madison who was on the border. Brown played origin last year. Paulo this year. Moses this year. Gutherson last year. They've gone out and bought other guys. Like, they've got enough there. You've got to do... you get a rep jersey doesn't mean you're a rep player. I understand that, but as far as what they've done, where Moses they've spent... got one by default. Gutherson realistically got one by default. Because other guys were injured. Well, Fittler would disagree so, with that, but I understand. I wouldn't have picked him. Well, you, you can get picked because Trebojevic and a few others weren't available last year. So, well, he still picked him over genuine centres, which was a surprise yeah, for I all of us. I understand that, but he wouldn't, we would never have got a run if certain players were available. So. But they're coming, in, they're coming into a real rough period because, as we spoke about uh, personally during the week, next year, 12 off contract, eight of those guys, huge names and the other thing that you don't get very often is when you have players on unders when you make good recruitment decisions like Murata Niakore over from the Warriors on unders Papaletti this year is on absolutely bugger all he's going to be multiplying his contract by three or four times the amount um, there's a couple of mid-tier guys they're going to have to upgrade and then you've got the situation which we had a couple of years ago with the Gufson argument where apparently now they're saying they're not going to take a dollar less which for me already if I'm Parramatta, there's no fucking way I'm paying Gutherson $900. Someone else going to pay a million dollars? No way. No way. If they are, they're insane. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's all coming to a bit of a head there. And obviously that injury on the weekend seems like a real death toll, I'd think. Lussett's done a really good job in the few games he filled in, but confidence seems to be on the dwindle. They've still got a hard run in, and I just don't see how they turn it around. I, I just don't see how people think that they should be beating Melbourne, Penrith when they've just shown zero signs that they can do so consistently over the last three or four years. I'm just a little bit confused by that. I think um, Brad Arthur's done a solid job. I I certainly don't think he deserves to be under pressure to maintain his his job. But that's that's just my opinion. Uh, I, you know, I understand people want to sling shit and, and, you know, fans fly off the handle because they're emotional, but you need to look at, firstly, who else is available and you really need to have a look at the roster and who's been available and, yeah, just make some calls around or make, make up your own mind about their performance, the Parramatta I they're probably paying a little bit too much for a few guys like Moses is probably on overs in terms of what he could get somewhere else. I wouldn't have re-signed Moses. Uh, but then the question becomes, you know, who else do you, who else do you sign? So I think Parramatta are in the position at the moment where they, they do, they need to flip potentially a Gutherson. It might, might be a Gutherson that you have to say, okay, well, we're buying the board here. We're not paying you a million, mate. We'll offer you, you know, six, seven hundred, whatever you reckon is worth. And then from there, um, you know, just make a decision and try and target someone who's actually worth a million, like, like a Joey Martin or something like that. Well, that was the recommendation I was going to make. Of all these teams talking about going in and taking a swing beyond next year, Parramatta for me right now, he'd already be on about six fifty, seven hundred from the last argument they've had. 
yes, he may be the heart and soul, and like it's it's important to have those glue guys or those good guys around. But we've said it multiple times. To me, they've got a nine, they've got a good six. I'm not sold on one and seven. I wouldn't have paid Moses, and they definitely need a strike center. But the real big fish that is out there is saying bye bye to Gutherson, and then putting yourself in the market for someone of mine who's caliber to play one. And then your situation about some of those forwards where a Madison who came for money, who's had head knocks, if he's looking for that top dollar, I'm, I'm more worried about keeping Papaliti. Talking about Paulo, like his form in general, to be honest, I don't think it's been as good. They're saying he's going to want 700,000 plus. Like, there's going to be some hard decisions for Parramatta to make in the next 12 months. Oh, yeah, hard decisions or discipline decisions. They're going to be disciplined with their car. Mm. And the other one, a lot of people this week have been firing shots at Dylan Brown, but I'll come to the defence of Dylan Brown somewhat because they've adjusted most things this year in favour of Moses after things were working out so well last year in Brown's favour. Brown was the left-hand side. That was the attacking edge. All the points, all the assists, everything good come out of that sort of setup. They flipped that this year. They've pushed him to the right. They've changed the back row combinations. The team is mainly steered by Mitchell Moses and he plays second fiddle whenever he's there. I don't understand why there's not more balance and I don't understand why they flipped the edges in the first place. Like, that's on Moses if he's a class yeah, halfback. Yeah, they don't have the, they don't have the reasons. Well, if you're going to pay 850000 for someone to play seven, you shouldn't need to swap things over to benefit him, not somebody else. If he can't get that edge firing, and he had Madison and those other guys last year in his edge, it's not like they don't have, didn't have strike both sides of the fields or weight yeah, manufacturer. You're trying to make your million dollar... You want to put your million dollar player on the edge he wants to play. Well, he needs to match what a 19-year-old kid's doing, and there's been some... Yeah, I, I, I understand that. Mm. You, you're going to accommodate million dollar player before you're going to accommodate a kid that's developing. Yeah, I just surprised a little bit about this week because I think they've done a lot to accommodate one person and they talk about his try assist numbers which to me are fraudulent because half the assists off kicks at times are contests where someone else has tapped a ball back or the one in against Penrith that they counted was a bomb that just bounced Papali picks it up carries it about 20 metres and scores. That, that's not a try assist. Yeah. Like, we want to talk about numbers or like numbers can go either way you yeah, want to speak about it to buy into my argument. I, don't, I don't look into every number but there's definitely uh, the coaching situation we've talked about it Flanagan was linked to the job at the start of the year there's talk that him and O'Neill who's the football manager don't see eye to eye like that's something that's got to be sorted out as well if they brought someone like Flanagan in the way he worked at Cronulla he's not going to work with somebody like O'Neill so that's another issue for Parramatta they need to Consider the talk about Wayne Bennett. I think it's ridiculous. Like Bennett comes in for finished products, he's not going to be able to fix that in a year. He's not going to do a rebuild. He's not going to sit down and do salary cap. Is he going back to Queensland? Yeah, but he's not going to go through twelve months of contracts and all the situation that's going to paramount. Shouldn't be talking about it. It's a, it should, it's, there's no way they're going to sack Brad Arthur. He's off contract at the end of next year, isn't he? Mm, and that's the other thing. In there's, a no co- way, there's no way. Like, they're going to make fine. In a COVID climate with no gate takings and the money situation, they're also not going to be they're wanting to pay up. They're foreign for what? Yeah. So they haven't won a comp. They don't have a, they don't have a premiership winning roster. So. A lot of this point in time. They've got a, you know, a, a potential top four roster, yeah. But the fact of the matter is when they play sides up that point into the table, they're struggling to beat them. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's okay, okay, it tells you that you may have some deficiencies with your coach, which, okay, yeah. And I'm sure Brad Arthur would wear that. But it also tells you that your cattle isn't good enough. Well, that they need, you know, to add more cattle, better cattle, 
Yeah, or better with, like you said, salary cap and recruitment yeah, we, detention. We mentioned that man to man. Well, let's, let's be fair. With Melbourne or Penrith, you're taking Melbourne or Penrith or so every day of the week. So, and to win the premiership, you're going to have to knock one of those two off. Mm, but point being, those Roosters, guys... Roosters at full strength. You're not, you're not taking Parramatta's yeah. roster of Roosters. But again, point taken, they've adjusted, produced, changed and made change over the last three or four years while Parramatta have consistently been a top four side, have not really made a whole lot of change or rollover and not progressed. Like, it's all good to be sitting in the top four, but you need to find a circuit breaker. You need to go further. Yeah, so you're going to sack your coach? And... Oh, I'm not saying that's the answer, but they're at a point now where it's been a couple of years of top four and you're hitting a point where all these contracts are coming off and you're probably going to get weaker. You're not going to get better. So they need to do a better job when these windows open because essentially this window... Why they didn't get the roster where it needed to, or didn't need to progress where it needed to. They didn't make any sort of drastic moves or slot. They made a, had a couple of wins with like a Papali'i. Uh, they got Madison over a couple of years ago after the Tiger situation, etc. But they needed to capitalise while they were sitting in these top four positions. They haven't done that. Yeah, so yeah, I, I understand. Hmm. I don't fully understand the criticism, but yeah, yeah, because oh, okay. people unrealistically think that they should be. Again, so club decisions. That tells me that you've got you got your cap out of order. If they're your top two, your two top paid players. Yeah, and that's again a direct reflection of coach and football management, though, because they're prioritising those guys as the keystones of their football side. So they need to do better. Yeah, but all, all they're just trying to they're building a roster. You don't just you don't go out and get a genuine superstar. Well, some, sometimes you can be lucky enough to to get a genuine superstar straight away, but not always. Yeah, well, I think we've already highlighted the one move I think they need to make. Those two spots, to me, are the difference around a good forward pack, and they definitely need to address their back line. They've got a good group of kids sitting there. But if, honestly, paying Moses, I think, was a mistake. But if Gutherson thinks he's going to get a million, the only person I'm throwing a million bucks or close to it is Joey Lani. I'd happily replace Gutherson in a heartbeat. Yeah. But moving on from Parramatta... Uh, some contract news. There's a fair bit going on this time of year. Some late movement. That loan system we talked about only the other week got put into motion today. Uh, the Bulldogs. Two pickups on that front. They've got Ryan James coming in and Corey Horsberg from the Raiders with Luke Thompson out suspended. Hetherington out suspended uh, as well from the weekend and a bit of a shortage on troops in that regard. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are starting to look Contract-wise, their situation, we've got Moses Embai talk now that he will be moving to the Dragons for 2022. It's pretty much all but done. All comes down to money now and what the Tigers are willing to trip in. The Dragons have put that ball in their court, but it looks like Moses Embai will be finishing off his last year at the Dragons. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't love the signing. No. Nah. I'll be honest. I don't think he's proven himself to be an elite player. I think so it'd just, it'd just be a, a numbers yeah 
similar. What's his, what's his best position? Yeah, well, that's that's just it. They've talked about it possibly a Norman replacement. I'm like, well, again, you're blocking the, the pathway of Amone, Sullivan, and these young guys, which are your future. And development and capitalising there. Like, you're picking up a 30-year-old who hasn't really nailed down a position, who's been paid big money, who's essentially coming with both sides chipping in a little bit. And I know they've done a good job patching things up because the salary cap there has been a bit tight with Maguire, McCulloch, and all these other teams chipping in, Bird, etc., but if you're going to keep putting together a dollar does team or a money ball situation, um, at the at the same time where you're looking for value, you're not really building for the future. No. So it's a short term sort of situation. I think for the Tigers, depending on how much you chip in, it's, it's not a bad thing. But again, their moves on the market haven't exactly worked out. Most people they've gone for um, haven't really panned out. Talk about Kikiao and his contract situation. There's already people interested talking up of. Somewhere near the seven eight hundred thousand dollar mark, which would be a big ask for the Panthers, but probably the big one that's come into it is rugby union, and in particular French rugby. There's potential that he will get offered mega dollars. So interesting to see you know, how that situation plays out. Like if you're Penrith and they come to you tomorrow with the conundrum they're going to be in salary cap wise, and say we want eight hundred thousand, you can't do it. No, no thanks. No, not that sort of money. And he's been a hell of a player, mind you. But again, uh, in big games or the week-to-week consistency, on his best day, is he worth that? Yes. Do you see the best day every week or every two weeks? Probably not. Uh, We've seen, obviously, some some awesome performances. And then we've seen ones like the grand final last year with four or five errors. When you're trying to balance that roster out, when you've invested in Cleary, in Luai, and other parts of the squad at some point, uh, some of those luxuries have to go. So I guess for them... Catewell's already moved on. You've got Kikiao on big money. They know they've got Martin locked in. They've had a bit of a look at Tago and a couple of other guys there. Uh, it's going to be a real hard decision, but I, I, I somehow think he's not going to be there after the next year. Uh, a lot of Super League moves starting to happen. So Denny Levi up at the Broncos, he's not locked in just yet, but talk that Huddersfield have made him an offer, so he'll potentially be leaving the NRL. And the same club, Brody Croft, that experiment is finally over. He's been released from the final year of his deal at Brisbane, so Benny Eichen gets another win there, freeing up about 450000 He'll be moving to Salford. The Titans, your mob, they've moved on from Sam Stone and Joel Whitbread, both off contract, have now signed with the Lee Centurions. Um, so a fair few players heading overseas. And then you've got the Roosters, who continue to make moves around their roster during the week, Drew Hutchison, Fletcher Baker, and Billy Smith, while injured, they've locked in a couple of those guys to their squad until 2023, two-year extensions, and probably all very worthy from what they've done. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's, there's no player on that Roosters roster that has pulled on a jersey this year that you wouldn't give another one to next year. No, and Baker's been a real good junior coming. goes back to that um, argument, you know, when you compare it to Parramatta, like, Whenever Paris sort of get an injury or two, they the wheels just fall off. But the Roosters, they're competing, you know, with everyone, I guess, but Melbourne, really, they've competed with in that when they got their asses kicked um, in Newcastle, what was that, a month or, month or so back? But mm. other than that, they've, despite all their injuries, they've, they've competed with everyone. And again, showing a bit of faith in Smith, that'd be a reasonable deal. He's had a lot of injuries, but they see the potential. Hutchinson, again, Gunn Jr., didn't pan out, went overseas, come back, probably realised he's in a really good spot and that's the best place for him to be. 
he'll take a role. Wouldn't cost him a lot. And Baker, accelerated development, come through their juniors, gun through their pathways, you know, getting some time, learning his craft. Again, no neck-breaking contracts there, but just good moves in, in terms of having... No, but Hutchinson's another one that, you know, like he just got fried too early. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we chew paths up and spit them out far too early. Mm, and that's exactly far, far, far what far happened to him. We've got a handful... Um, we're a handful of halves at, at Mounties at the moment who were, you know, one's a kid who was at Cronulla and Para, uh, another, you know, is a kid who was at Para, and you just you look and just think, oh, like they get they get chewed up and spat out so quickly, and you know you you watch them play and you go, like they're not they're not far off guys that are actually playing in the NRL now. Like it's just everyone's looking for a quick fix, and it probably comes back to that argument about. Yeah, the pressure coaches are under. They they just don't. A lot of them don't value development. They want that, you know, instant meal. You know, as, as quickly as they possibly can, because they know that if they don't get wins, and I guess I know that's the job. But if they don't get the wins, there um, they're going to be out of a gig. But there's a lot of a lot of good halves running around in Queensland Cup and New South Wales Cup who, you know, with some development and an opportunity, could you know easily play in the NRL. Yeah, and we've seen a few end up back in the NRL at some point. Another one is at the Roosters right now. He's playing a different position, but Adam Kieran. Adam Kieran was an Australian schoolboy gun, flicked after one year at the Bulldogs, comes to Penrith, almost wins Cup Player of the Year, gets signed to the Warriors. They move him on way too quickly, and now the Roosters are signing him up and the benefactor of a guy who can play multiple positions. They don't always turn out to be superstars or starting halves, but... Good, you don't need good, right. good, good players are as important. For money. Exactly, and good squad players. You need to be able to look to guys and go. He can cover that. He can play six. He can kick goals. He can do, you know, good football players. Uh, other moves that have been made. A lot of options have been taken. So Jamal Fogarty, he's been extended, and I think there's an option in that deal for him for twenty three. Se Se. In his favour. I think it's in his favour. Yeah. So only one year though. Um, SES is the one that they're probably worried about signed him on good money barely played this year has an option in his favour for next year he's obviously activated that no surprise he's not going to get much interest elsewhere with a lack of footy and what he's delivered so I'll be interested to see how that one works out Um, as a Titans fan I think you'd probably agree that if they could they'd try and get their way out of that one yeah so see what happens Zach Lomax has already activated the 2026 option and his contract, which is very interesting because it's very, very early in the piece to be taking that option, but plenty of security. Ben Hunt, no surprise, biggest contract in the league, activated his 2023 option. Felice Kafusi, he had an option for next year at Melbourne. He's taken that. That's not a surprise in their situation. So uh, he was technically off contract. He's now locked in for next season for Melbourne, and I'm sure they'll come back to the table next year if he keeps playing the way he is. And... Dane Gagai, that signing is now confirmed for Newcastle. He mentioned a few weeks ago he signed until 2024. And just a few others on the back burner. Sawali, it's now been revealed. He's signed for next year and he now has options in his favour for 23 and 24 pending union and the whole situation there. But the Roosters basically said it from the start. They've got enough confidence in their development, their situation, their club, that he won't leave even with those options. So... Um, given the way they handled things this year, the way they've got him in, the way they've now that he had that injury, left him back there, helping him with his schooling, his recovery and that, I have no doubt he'll be there uh, for the next couple of years. 
Yeah, you know, South Street pretty well as well. Mm-hmm. And speaking of other news... It seems like a little bit of a gun for hire, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, other news there, Dylan Walker, Manly, bit of a standstill. He was keen to re-sign. They've offered two years, but it's not to his liking. All I could say in that situation is I don't think Dylan's going to have too many options, uh, in particular at other clubs, given some of the background and what's happened the last few years. He got paid heavy money to go there in the first place and probably didn't deliver. So I think he might get a bit of a reality check in the next few weeks and take that deal. Yeah, I wouldn't be trying to sign, put it that way. Yeah, well, I kind of question it as well. But for them, I guess they've had him there. They see a bit of utility value, but I think he might be uh, in a bit of a false dawn in yeah, term. Yeah, I sort of mean outside. Yeah, yeah. And I think similar deal. I think he might uh, not understand that there may not be a whole lot of hell of interest elsewhere. So this might be in his best option uh, right now. Connor Watson, interesting one we've talked about a few times, now linked back to the Roosters. So yeah, that's interesting. That is quite intriguing. A lot of injuries this year. We know the hooker situation. I know that's not specifically his position. Um, no one's really narrowed down what his best spot is. He come through playing as a six, playing as a nine. They brought him into grade. He played a couple of games at fullback. He's a very, very handy utility, but after losing friend... Lussick, who's played a few games, only a young fellow, a couple other guys, it'd be a really handy option to probably have on the bench for them uh, to cover some positions. But it was talk the Tigers are now interested, knowing their luck, they'll be two weeks late to the party. But uh, a bit of pressure back on Newcastle now with Watson having a couple of options. Brisbane, while I like a lot of what Benny Eichen's doing, I don't agree with the fact they're apparently linked to Aaron Woods, Dylan Narpa and Ryan James. Um, I guess if you're looking for cheap labour for one year to bring in while they're trying to turn the roster over a little bit, I can see that side of it, but I just don't see any of those guys really delivering much value, even if you did get them for cheap. James had some moments this year, but it's clear that knee's affected him. He's played a lot of football. He's had a lot of injuries. Napa just looks completely disinterested. I don't know if going back to Queensland and being at Brisbane and having a low contract would light a fire under his ass and Woods... I think I think most people would understand what we think about Woods. Um, I just think, especially in this game and the way things are going right now, he's the last front row I'd sign. Yeah, I think it's value for money as well. I get yeah, that. It comes down to price. That's what it comes down to. I, the, my criticism of Aaron Woods was the price that he was getting paid. Like, I just wouldn't have paid the sort of money that he was getting offered. So, mm. And that, that's been proven to be correct because... You know, he's offered to take, what, almost one-third of what he's on at Cronulla, and they're still going to win. Yeah, and I think, again, part of that speaks to where the game's going. I don't think he's a front row I'd want to have. Um, and like a Napa, it's it's a matter of potential, potential, potential. I think we're well past the point of potential. He, he's 30 years old. He's been playing for almost a decade. Potential, yeah, no, he's, he's back into his career. So. We're past that point. Yeah, again, uh, it just, just has to be on good money. Like, if you could get... <clears throat> um, you know, the three of them for say eight, nine hundred. You know, you'd probably you'd probably look at it like, right? what were they paying someone like Matt Lodge? They would have been paying Matt Lodge that just for Matt Lodge. So it's just about yeah, getting more quality for more, more bang for your buck essentially. Yeah, but do you think their quality? Do you think they're good for your young group? Do you, is that the way you want to go for twelve months? 
their, their decisions are. Would you? Would you rather? They're not. They're not for me to make. They're for the, you know, the certain clubs. So I, it's hard to really going from what they're doing on the field. I wouldn't really want any of them to be starting. Like in my best seventeen. No, and then again, their attitude so, yeah, and their that's, influence. That's where the conversation, I guess, tends to go. You know, is is it? Are they to play in your best seventeen, or are they? To be in the twenty-five, are they to be in the top thirty? At what price? How much money have we got in our cap? How many players have we got in their position? What ages? You know, what what sort of team dynamics do we have? There's so much that goes into these recruitment decisions. But I think Brisbane at the moment are just—they're really looking at. They've got to look at value for money. They're, they're in a bit of a pickle with their cap. So yeah, there's a, lot, there's a hell of a lot of things to weigh up. Hmm. There's value for money, but also I'd rather probably take a flyer on a mid-aged kid or a younger guy at a club and get an opportunity if it's just going to be a 12-month thing while they flip the roster. Yeah, maybe. but what, I, what I'm trying to say is it's context. I get context, but... I wouldn't flat, I wouldn't flat say yes and I wouldn't flat say no. I'd, I'd like to know the context. Hmm. Well, even like, if... Like I said, when, I first started, when we first addressed it, or when I first addressed it, I, I wouldn't be going and signing any of them based on what I'm seeing on the field. No. But I also don't know if any... But not everyone else is off contract. So no. you've got to look at the market as well. But for a 12-month process, I'd rather take a flyer on a middle-range kid or someone who's at least got some juice left in the legs, not three guys that are 10-plus-year players not playing well. Don't know if they're going to bring a whole lot to my group, my culture. Like they've had a lot of people there that have just rolled through the last few years on the back end and not yeah, really done a whole lot. I think Ryan James... Ryan James put off for a bit. Well, out of all of them at the group, I think you get him for the best price, and he's probably the one most likely. I think personal wise, I think Woods is personality wise, he's excellent. Yeah, he's a good leader. Woods is well known as a good bloke, but again, for what he's putting on the field and what he's doing, I wouldn't be bringing him into my group right now. And I just think Napa. Yeah, Woods, Woods for me would be at what price? Yeah, and Napa similar deal. They were about six fifty. They tried to shop themselves at three hundred. They got no bites. Even if you say you got him for two hundred. Um, I just don't know if I'd want him around. I think he's showing absolutely no sign of life whatsoever. Yeah. But that's one for them to work out. Ash Taylor, linked to the Canberra Raiders for a one-year flyer under Ricky Stewart for about 250 What do you reckon? Uh, for how much? 250 250 to $300, they are saying, but you'd be... Yeah, great, great price. Great price. He should be staying in the Titans for that price. That's what he should be on. Well, that's what I would have thought after the way he's played the last few weeks. If they went back to him for something similar after what he's taken out of there the last few years, if they were interested, yeah. you'd think he'd be uh, repaying a little bit of the faith, you'd think, if they were keen to keep him. You would think so. But if not for Canberra, similar deal to what you're saying, availability on the market, they'd be taking a flyer on someone who has talent but hasn't lived up to it and potentially seeing if they could uh, poke the bear and revive something. Ricky Stewart, he likes his halves and working with him. Uh, I don't know. We'd definitely find out if Ash Taylor's got the guts to deal with it because Ricky would certainly ride him, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, another one, Flanagan, unfortunately, that situation just keeps popping its head up. They're already talking now that he potentially could be loaned to the Sharks or go back to the Sharks. As uh, soon as Gus said that he's guaranteed that he's going to be there for the next 12 months and they're going to work with him, etc., we've heard a lot of that before. I still don't think it's going to end well. It, it doesn't look that way, does it? No. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to really make of this. 
because there's just mixed messaging coming out really on you know, he's going to be here next year. He's not going to be here next year. He's... Yeah, look, I think it's it's more going to be about can they move him and to where and for what price that we have to chip in. I think all of that's going to play more of a part in the decision, not so much whether they want to keep him or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last... Yeah, tough one, tough one, man. I, I don't know. Mm. Last few to quickly finish off, uh, George Burgess. Back in the league, signed with the Dragons. Heard that a couple of months ago. I think we mentioned it. That's now confirmed. They're still working with him with that major hip surgery he had, which is a very interesting one. But clearly, they feel uh, with the medical background and what information they've got that it's worthwhile. I'm, I'm sure they're not paying him much, but again, it's a bit interesting from the Dragons. They've sort of gone a bit of a journey to pick up guys who others are paying for and guys for cheap and sort of trying to rearrange this whole roster. Uh, yeah, it's, well, I think it's it's a good sign, but it'll just depend on, you know, are you going to get the George Burgess that left the NRL? And under these new rules as well, after yeah. hip surgery. Yeah. It's a big question, Mark. Um, you'd be happy about this one. The Titans apparently have got some background movement already on the Joey Manu situation as well. So the Ash Taylor money uh, looks like they're very, very keen to put that somewhere. Well, yeah, well, so if, if that was to be the case, you'd assume he would be possibly as a six or if he went to one and that was his preferred position, Brimson, who come through playing in the halves more than fullback, could potentially push into six with Sexton if they got him locked up for two more years. Um, there's a couple options there, but they're linked to him. Rugby Union has popped up. A uh, bit of talk that they're keen to get Angus Crichton back over to the dark side before the World Cup. They'd definitely take a significant amount of money in the last bit here was the Storm linked to Jaden Nicarima, the brother of Cody, who at the time was as highly rated, if not more highly rated, signed a big deal with the Roosters, had a bit of an issue off the field, got a drugs charge and got suspended, but he's going to get an opportunity this off-season with the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, well, good sign. Still only 24 years old, so uh, one of those ones where they've got talent, they've served a little bit of time and see what they can do with him. Yeah. So there you go. Tackle four. Uh, the grand final and the options that keep getting floated. NRL threw it out there that New Zealand would be an option. Uh, that's already been shot down immediately today. They thought they would definitely get an exemption like the rugby union to bring a financial benefit to the economy, but Jacinda Ardern immediately shot that down and said if rugby league was coming, they'd be doing a two-week quarantine. Okay. So that's straight out the window. Um, well, they, I don't think rugby got an exemption. Rugby got in before the quarantine rule came in I think oh, the way people spoke about it was they got an exemption to go over there and it's seen as a benefit and yeah look I'd, I'd have to look at it but from what I heard they they got in before they had to had to do it anyway it doesn't matter hmm. well whatever confidence they had that that would possibly be an option that got dashed well that's fine that's, that's her call and that's their call as a country if they think that's going to keep them safe and yeah yeah I, I wasn't over the camera going to New Zealand anyway no but Queensland still I'm more keen on it if it's not in Sydney then um, Suncorp I'd love to see it be in Suncorp yeah I, I don't understand why it can't be in Sydney I, I, I don't understand why if you don't if you've got both your jabs and you're fully vaccinated that they can't just say look if, if you're fully vaccinated you can go I think enough people are struggling to get their first vaccine let alone both 
I understand that, but we're talking about something in six weeks' time. What's the turnaround between vaccines, though? Six weeks. Yeah, well, you're going to need, again, to get your get a lot of people their first jab and then their backup jab in that period of time that have to be obviously football fans well, that's, 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 that's the whole reason we're in lockdown but so, Queensland I, um, yeah I, look, I think it's just complete madness if um, they, they make a rash decision right at this point in time I, I guess worst case scenario you know Sydney is if Greater Sydney are still in lockdown and numbers are the way they are now and they rule Sydney out and for, for whatever reason things fall over with uh, Queensland, I guess you'd sort of have to you know, look at maybe the MCG or Perth, but I can't see it not being at, at uh, Suncorp's got to be barrier one and if it's not at Suncorp you'd, you'd have to say, well, they've kept it in Sydney because things have improved or, um, you know, they've had to take it to, to Melbourne or, or Perth. Yeah, well, this week, crowds back in, that lockdown at South East Queensland, 50% capacity. They're obviously hoping that things stay that way and have essentially said as much. If things are all good, if crowds are there, that is the real key. Um, so Queensland... The issue with Palaszczuk is the volatility, how quickly things change. So the issue they're going to have is if... They're saying now that they're going to make a decision week one of the finals what happens if shit hits the fan two weeks later in Queensland and it all of a sudden you know gets to that point of well we're not having crowds we're locking down and then you've got a grand final with no fans mm. well they've, they've had would the NRL then move it like they did Origin what, what would be the yeah. situation there I, I, don't, I don't know well they've had contingencies the whole time so you'd think they'd have something in place whether that be Melbourne with you know time or back to Sydney or whatever the situation would be but the New Zealand talk and all that uh, love fest got shot down pretty quickly by Jacinda Ardern yesterday so there you go uh, yeah look and she's people people just don't really have an appetite for sport at the moment I, I get it hmm. or for you know having sport I guess get preferential treatment people don't have a have a great appetite for it and yeah I, I get that mm. well tackle five moving on from that one the World Cup is officially off so I don't think there's any surprise there um, despite the situation vaccination wise over there and things opening back up they're having an absolute bucket load of cases and again what we talked about there's so many factors that were tapping into this I know the RLF and yeah but cases well we're going we're gonna to be the same here once we get to the point they're at now like once you sort of open back up cases are going to go up it's the severity of the cases so mm. well like I said they've gone through a bit of a surge there's all the other factors that we already talked about which were a big part of it even though a lot of people thought it was just the NRL being greedy I can see both sides of the argument but I think the right decision's been made in the end yeah I, I, I disagree I, I would like to have seen the players uh, have their say and Oh, I heard people like Josh Hodgson and that speak this week and they all don't seem too disappointed. So. Okay. Well, yeah, as long as if the, if the players are happy and they've been consulted and they didn't want to go, I've got no issue with it. Mm. I, just have, I think I said it two weeks ago on the show, I just, I've just got an issue with administrators making decisions when the, it looked like the players weren't consulted or there was some chat around 
a lot of players complained that they weren't consulted. So I, I'd have an issue with that. But, look, mate, if they've said we don't want to go, irrespective of vaccinations, et cetera, et cetera, um, I fully support the players. Mm. But if it's a decision that's been made by the NRL based on the fact that the clubs are bitching and moaning about the short turnaround and, you know, that, that I guess that side of it, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, well, 2022, hopefully uh, we have a much clearer picture in 12 months' time uh, on both sides. In the well, still, yeah, COVID's still going to be. Yeah, but... but Hopefully by then we'll be much more on top of the situation, combination of vaccination, herd immunity, etc. So um, hopefully it's not as big an issue in 12 months' time. Uh, and the last one to finish off, probably more just simple thought, uh, all the stuff again with social media and people abusing players, in particular a few Brisbane players, Ricky, Levi, Turpin, Kennedy and Jaden Ockenbaugh, Cop and racial abuse. Like Honestly, if you think you're a fucking... You know, a big person behind a keyboard or a social media profile abusing players when you wouldn't have enough talent in your left finger to probably have even played A grade at park football. Like, dead set, give yourself a fucking triple. I, yeah, I, look, I, the issue I've got with social media is people who criticise and write shit and they don't put their name to it. Yeah. That, that's my issue. Um, I guess if you, if you put your name to it and you you got the right to criticise, but you don't have the right to be abusive or racial. Or no, or personal. There's differences. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I, it's just ordinary. And it's similar to the theory of, well, you've paid your money, you can come in and do what you want. It's no, like, we, no, that's, no that's it's like to a certain extent you can come in and yell and cheer, but when it's personal, abusive, racial, like next level, involving family, death threats, like some of the things that were thrown up again, I just look at and go, what do you think you're achieving? And then for yourself, if you are one of the ones that are dumb enough to actually have a real account and do it, um, like when they repost it or share it, like what do you think the end result's going to be? Like honestly, that yeah, fucking... I, I honestly think that you're dealing with people that are that stupid. That don't well, care. That, that's exactly the point. That's probably the only upside to it. I, I think it's but a do small. You think you're ever going to you're ever going to talk sense into people that are dumb? I'm not sure you are. Hmm. No, I Sorry. don't think you are. I just thought... yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. The, the players just. I think the, the method that the play, a lot of the players are going by now where they just um, repost it, I think that's a fantastic way of... Yeah, and I think I agree with that completely. And the whole thing, again, from some of the older guys and people saying, don't look at it, don't be on it, this, that, and the other, it's just not possible anymore. Like, whether you like it or not, a lot of these guys have come through with that generation. It's part of what they grow up with. It's the norm now. And on top of that, for a I lot of them... I disagree with that a little, I... They don't have to. They don't have to be on social media. They don't have to consume it. I understand that they. It's, it's not, like you just said. It is definitely part of their. It's part of their upbringing or their setup. There, that's more what I'm getting. It's, but it's still a choice. They've got yeah, a choice. I, I get that. But also, I think in their situation, it's you know that little bit of access or a little bit of look into someone. It's 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 really a big part of you know life, sports, people, like everything these days. I don't. I understand you can completely block it out, but on the flip side of that, with management, other things, brand, person, all these other things that come along with it now that wouldn't have existed 20, 30 years ago, um, it, you'll be very hard-pressed not to find anyone that's not on social media that's an NRL player or any sports kind of stuff. So, um, But yeah, probably just more a straight-up one again where I just... If you're one of these people, and even the multis or any other bullshit, like you lose the money, you bet it. 
that's your responsibility. Yeah, yeah well, we, we, cop, we cop a little bit on social media every now and then. You, you cop a jibe or whatever, or, you know, someone doesn't agree with something that's been said, or it's just, I, I don't even, a lot of it I don't even read now, so. No, and I've said this before as well. Anyone that takes anything personally and not as just, you know, it's our opinion. It's not fucking right. You don't have to agree with it, but it's our opinion. Nothing's personal. It's straight up, objective, outside look in, offer an opinion. That's all it is. Everyone's entitled to one. Yeah, but it's also, a lot of the time, probably more educated and researched. Mm, that's the thing. If you want to be offended by it, well, that's your choice. Yeah. Like when someone goes, you bagged my team or you did this. No, it's a, it's a critical analysis or it's a breakdown, like you said, or it's an opinion based on whatever. You don't have yeah, to agree with research, it. So. If, if you don't like it, that's fine. I'm not, you're not, you're not going to like everything we say, yeah. but we're not coming on here and just going, this guy's shit, this is fucking bad. Like, it's it's got a base to your comments. Yeah. So, but if you don't like it, that's that's your opinion. That's fine. But I wouldn't be offended by it. It's just, it's an opinion. That's all it is. So we move on from that. That's the set of six for this week. Our power rankings now brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the crew there. There is no one better. The number one supplier of Enphase products. Uh, get on board with Jake and the Penrith Solar Centre. And do you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the spoon this season? It's getting slapped with a huge power bill that puts you more on edge than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are the solar specialists who can help you and your families take back control of your electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today, 1800 20 29 or visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au to be the real winner this season. Number one, Melbourne Storm. Yep. Number two, the Penny Panthers. Yep. Number three, South Sydney. Yep. Number four, Manly, who I had last week, they hold. Yeah, I've thrown Manly in there. Yeah. Yep. Number five, I've got the Roosters, regardless of the injuries. Yep. I've got the Eels down at six. Yep. Knights hold at seven for me. Yep. And I don't remember last week, I think I had the Titans there, but the Titans hold at eight as well. Yeah, I got the Titans at eight. Um, yep. So right now, and again, on the outside of that, you've obviously got uh, probably only the Raiders and the Sharks, and I think with their draws, it's more favourable for the Sharks, but that loss put them one behind. It's very likely a few of those teams will finish on the same points, and it might come down to four and against. But uh, for Newcastle, they're really... Well, that's the one solace I've got for the Titans. Oh, they're touring against is pretty yeah, good. they've so. fixed it up. So their big thing is the next two weeks, if they lose to the Storm and South, they can't get shellacked. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. They've got to hold a somewhat reasonable amount, so if they only get one well, more win... Is, their defence has really improved the last sort of month. Like, it's, there's no shock horror in that. Yeah, the defence has improved and so has their results. It's just more about who they've, who they've beaten. Yeah, that's it. And now they're getting a real test the next two weeks. You can only really beat beat what's in front of you. Mm. Well, they're going to get a real test the next two weeks on the back of good form, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, But, yeah, looking forward to seeing how that pans out this week. But jumping to the reviews of those games from the weekend, we talk about Newcastle 28-20 over the Broncos, four points in four days, outstanding result for them considering the terrible run, like we've said with them, injury-wise, constant changes, to the spine, a heavy reliance on their forward pack and constantly being let down by their back five, but they definitely didn't have it their own way. Brisbane were immense, in particular the first 10 minutes, just not having any football at all and then getting down the other end and scoring first. And the first half was a bit of a tussle. Brisbane broke 
a couple of times off, uh, you know, disappointing misses considering the effort they made, like the Clifford try off the scrum where he just cuts back against the grain and slides through and Pierce getting to reach over. Uh, they go in at 12-8 at half time, but I, I think second half, it just wore them, all that extra defense, some penalties, some errors of their own, and it just wore down and they come back over the top of them. A couple of nice lines by their back rowers. They didn't have it all their own way in terms of how they played. Late, they finally got a shift to Best and Tawala, um, and he crashed over in the corner. And Brisbane pressed home late, scored a couple of tries, finally decided uh, that they were going to attack the weak spot with Brody Jones isolated in that centre position. Herbie had an absolute field day running in, but uh, I guess a good hit-and-run mission for Newcastle, like I said, for a four-day backup, two wins, and they rested Jaden Braley. Yeah, that was strong. That, that was really, really good. But how direct Mitchell Pearce played was just made a massive difference to the game. He, when he doubted, he just digs in the line. He plays straight, he runs. And I, I thought he was the difference in the game. I thought Brisbane were, were excellent, right? Yeah. They started the game and defended so well. Um, Kevy's to be applauded for the way that they're, they've picked up and the way they're going at the... Um, the back end of the year because I, I think they've they've improved and I, I don't think their roster's improved you know they've, they've sort of said goodbye to some players and uh, their effort's been really really good yep and we saw another young kid he, he's going to be judged you know when he gets some quality players there whether he can extend them and, and you know sort of climb their way back up to up the table that's that's where he's, he's going to be charged I, I didn't really I know there was a little bit of talk around his job this year. It would have been ridiculous to to move him on, regardless of whether he thought he was the right man for the job. But you know, once they once they sign him up, they had to give him the, the two or three years that they'd set out from the start. So, um, well, I think so minimum. I'd, I'd give him a I'd give him a pass mark um, so far in his tenure. Yeah, I've still got some questions like changing your halves combination. You know, nine or ten times. It could have been little bits more of stability, but. You know, and probably just more the messaging. There's been mixed messaging, but I think for them, because they're in a phase where they've got strong leaders now in Iken and Donahue from Melbourne, they're going to get a real good sample next year with Reynolds, Catewell, and a few more senior guys around some good young talent about whether he's the right coach. And I think the move will be made next year without so much a worry about the playing roster, but just seeing what he does, how he acts, seeing him for a full 12 months, and they'll make a decision at some point to go, okay. Yeah, that's my point. We, that, we that have control. That could make the top eight. Yeah, we've got control of the roster, but is this the right coach? And they'll keep steering those two things and make a decision. Yeah. But um, Willison, second game, grabbed a try. Good for him. Um, Herbie, like I said, late. Good. Still saying a lot from Tessie. I know he had one or two errors, but they need to sort that out. They got rid of Croft this week. If, if, yeah, if they've got that money freed up from Croft now, that's a decision they need to sort out. Uh, he needs to stay. I think the other well, one for me... He wants to stay. There's been a lot of chat that he doesn't want him, so... Well, again, said it to you last year, he posted that cryptic message when Fafita left. Um, if they got him for the right price, he'd be good at the Titans. There's a lot of Sydney interest, apparently. No one named any clubs, but it, it does surprise me because the other thing people neglect is he's just turned 19. Yeah. He's only played 16 games. There's improvement there. He's another one Parra could, could look at, you know, if he's got an appetite to come to Sydney. Mm. But, um, yeah, they they were more than gallant. I'll tell you the move I've enjoyed the last few weeks. and He, he got reported a few times the other night. I thought he was lucky not to get binned at some stage. Palacios moved to the front row. He had a big game last week. I thought he was busy again the other night. Yeah, he was. 
he's going to be out for the rest of the season. He busted his shoulder blade, but um, yeah, he also got put on report three times. So lucky in that regard. Uh, we had a message about Newcastle. Someone said to me, "Why were they struggling so much to get the ball to Brett uh, to Best and that sort of shape?" And they hit Fitzgibbon so many times. And what was it? Well, two things that I kind of spotted. And I don't know if you agree or not. First one. Brisbane's just overall line speed and effort. They really killed the ruck. They kept playing off slow play the balls. They really got up and pressure there. And I thought a lot of times it was just an outlet pass because they couldn't force the ball at the back. Um, at, also, I saw Ponga in particular thinking that he had a good chance one-on-one with Gamble. Gamble come up trumps a few times and held onto a boot or got him around the leg. Um, but they, all, they also just didn't adjust their depth. When you're under pressure at times, you've got to sort of adjust and know what's coming. And it wasn't really until the back end of the game that they started to find that back shape when they had him on the back foot and sort of broke him down and had him fatigued a little bit. Yeah, yeah, hmm. I'd agree with that. I not having looked at it closely, but yeah, I think you're hitting the lead a lot because you want to hit gambles inside shoulder, simple as that. Hmm. And the other one I saw is they played from the post a lot. When we talk about this, sometimes it's harder to break down shape from the post because you've got that split, and especially if a slow play the ball. Yeah, look, I think Tyson... Tyson Gamble's got a bit of a, a tendency to get up ahead of his inside man as well, so they were looking um, to sort of play an out, an out shape to expose the space that he leaves when he comes up. Mm. Um, and they, they made a couple of little inroads there, so... Yeah. Yeah, they did, they did fuck the piss out of it, but, um, yeah, I, th- I think it was more just to make... Gamble makes as many tackles as possible. I think that's probably what the, the plan was. Mm. Well, we move on from that one. Like I said, good result for them. Uh, for Brisbane, plenty of resilience and finishing off. Stags obviously out for the rest of the year. Palisade now busted. If they've got anyone else they can roll in, now's the time to do it. Um, I don't think we're going to see Brendan Piakura, which again is disappointing. They've paid huge money for the kid. Uh, I don't know if he was in the 21. I think he might have been last week. Surely he gets a game before the end of the year. If you're gonna if you're gonna pony that sort of money up, and then they said they wanted that was kind of what I meant about the mixed messaging. But again, we saw Willison. We've seen other players like if you're gonna fork that sort of coin when he's good to go, he has to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Raiders Dragons twenty to twelve. I thought this was an average game of football, and I think Ricky Stewart summed it up pretty clearly that it's good to get the result at the end of the day but if they're going to miss that many tackles make those sort of errors and show up like that they'll get beat by 60 next week yeah yeah pretty much he pretty much summed it up fumbled and fumbled and bumbled their way around didn't they yeah scored off some kicks made it really hard for themselves dragons as we know constant changes chopping and changing every week he's changed the spine he's at the rotations naturally because of the situation with the suspensions um but yeah they thought the dragons were gritty hmm Considering they were, yeah. Mm. Um, I think I still... I know that, like the changes have had a part to do with it, but I'm still confused. Now that their finals hopes look done, I know they're not mathematically done, but if they lose this week, and it really does put them in doubt, like surely for the rest of the year you play all the kids. He still hasn't really thrown it to the situation where he have all those guys in. Yeah, hard to Norman, Dufty, anyone that's not going to be there, I've said it a hundred times, like surely you're at the point where you're like Sullivan, Amone, Sloan, like just all of them fucking play. Yeah. And let's get three or four games in regardless of the result because that's just good development. Yeah, no argument from me, my friend. So, um, 
yeah, I think they were... But he's probably still trying to sell that they can make it. Just as I talk about judiciary and situation, Coruscant was found guilty, so he'll be missing, and Watine's alert now the third warrior suspended. So, what there you was go. Um, found guilty of? Coruscant, I think it was contract conduct, wasn't it? Where is it? Uh, uh, I can't see here what it was for. I thought it was contrary yeah. conduct. But, yeah, he finds himself in a situation. Uh, there were... And Ivan Cleary, interesting enough, I know they're up there and they probably can't get barristers as easily in the bubble, but he defended Coruscant. So a lot of people have been referring it to the castle and Dennis Denuda, the defence. But, uh, yeah, Coruscant missing for Penrith this week. So it helps the Dragons' cause, but at the same time, I don't know if they've got enough in the tank to knock off Penrith still. But we talk about the Raiders. Uh, Rapana, good game again. Saw some flashes again out of that spine move when Starling gets freedom, scored that try. Hodgson pushes out. Saw little bits from Jack, but still not quite enough. Like there's there's bits at times that get you interested in the Raiders, but yeah, just with the run that they've got left over, a few of those results, we know they've lost six or seven by six or less, and they've led. Um, I just kind of think now that yeah, they're realistically they're definitely going to need two wins for and against, otherwise plays into it if they win once, and maybe it's just too little, too late. Storm this week, Manly the week after the Warriors, and then they play the Roosters last round. Yeah, I, I think the last two are their big two. But again, similar deal the next two weeks, how they rebound. Can they, similar to the Titans, get through, forge a good effort, not take too much damage if they do lose, and then get to those two games in a position to hopefully get two wins? Yeah. Uh, that's the real question, I guess. But we leave that one behind. Not much to take from that. South over Parramatta, 40-12, to 12, I think for me. Um, and I know Wayne Bennett obviously won the press conference and dictated as he does uh, his comments, which I think again absolutely genius the way he he, he steered that setup. Um, but I think the number one thing I took out of this was it was one of the first games I've seen South Sydney get into a cycle and grind and really looked at us break an opponent down. And I felt for the first thirty or so minutes they just rolled, got to the edges, tried to pull that left hand side, the right side of power apart with Dunster got Mansour in behind they kicked well their line speed was good it was, it was really one of the first games where there was a bit more balance and they just banked some points banked some fatigue and then they just kind of broke them down yeah I think their defence had a significant improvement as well but yeah like their Bennett will just he'll drip feed what he needs to drip feed into them uh, over the next you know next month and they'll just gradually get better and you know whether they're going to be good enough to win at the back end who knows but it's you know this is Bennett doing what Bennett does and just trying to time his run and not overcoach them too early they've got a lot of incentives to us like you know with Reynolds uh, heading off and Wayne Bennett the end of Bennett's tenure there's, there's a lot there's a lot to play for there uh, you know I think a lot of the players there, you know, your Damien Cooks and your Cody Walkers. And, yeah, Sue is going to move on. Been there for a while. Is probably thinking, well, you know, if Reynolds is walking next year, I, I don't know whether they consider themselves a 
you know, a, a premiership threat until those those halves sort of, you know, get to that hundred game mark. The guys that they're they're pretty keen on. So this could be their last real shot at the title for, you know, three or four years. Well, I think so, again, most definitely they've got the talent. He's got, got the he's got yeah, he's Latrell, got Latrell, yeah he's got the trail playing the best football he can play he's done that job over the last two years and building him up you've got Cody Walker who's just been absolutely fantastic Reynolds is doing his part Cook's probably not been as important or as good during this sort of run but he's doing his job they've developed Colin Matungi they've been good enough to push Sewer back to the bench. Murray, Tom's playing outstanding. Totola came back on the weekend. They're getting everything out of all the guys that come in, all their rotations when Johnston's been out. Milne's done a job. Paulo's done a job. Mansour did a job on the weekend. They've built depth in their roster. Nichols is playing the best football of his career. Like Anyone that they've asked to come in and do a job or guys they've brought in from other clubs like a host or a cellar, like they've all done a job. And this is built into a real... Real good roster, and we saw it the other night. I think the only concern, again, but at this point, it looks like he's in his positive reinforcement stage rather than his harsh stage. Um, they had that little period at the end where they were up by about 30 where they let the two tries in. But then at the back end of that, they kicked him in the head two more times and made sure they finished the job. Yeah. But they, if, they were good. The were good. Yeah. I just don't know how much of that to link back into how poorly Parramatta are going or... Yeah. Whether it's the... Oh, look, I think South are definitely improving, yes. Yeah. So I think that's probably what you've got to take out of, out of this match. Mm-hmm. And then you've just, got to, you've just got to watch Parramatta for the next, you know, the next few weeks and just hope that they can find that style and, and work out how they're going to adapt without uh, Mahoney and, you know, a few others not there. Yeah, well, they rolled over the top of them. They conceded nine line breaks. They really struggled. I thought the biggest thing is they didn't didn't really look like they had a lot of energy. They sort of were just holding on, and then when Souths just ground them into the dirt and started to win that territory in possession, but all they just chopped them to pieces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now Marnie missing, like we said. Uh, Moses, the first time he played square, not sideways, when we talk about him shifting for the sake of shifting. Clean line break, set up a try. Like, he needs to do that more often. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and, yeah, a couple of forwards that have generally been good, I thought they, the other night, weren't a big factor. So, worrying. Um, and, again, this weekend, they they move into Manly off the back of a confidence-building result last week against Melbourne. So, it certainly doesn't get any easier if you're a Parramatta fan. But the Warriors and Sharks game, 18-16, how they won this, I've got no idea. Like, for Kane Evans to spend 20 minutes in the sin bin... And them to win this game, I'm blown away. Yeah. Their yeah. two front rowers were outstanding. Lodge and Fenua Blake, uh, they were huge. The, the period where they had that first binning, where Chambers obviously baited Evans to throw those two jabs, they scored twice. They went into halftime 16-6 up, and you thought, okay, this could be absolutely anything. Somehow, they find their way back into it. They come up with a couple of tries. Walsh gets over. Aitken, just a couple of poor misses. Gets himself over, and then another sin bin from Evans at the 64th minute. You're sitting there thinking, well, surely they take control here, and they finish this game off, and they just couldn't. They couldn't come up with points. They had the overlap. They overplayed their hand. They made errors. Connor Tracy randomly puts a grubber in on play two. There was the penalty at the end of the game where they all signaled for the two. Josh Hanno said, no, we're going to go for the win. 
they don't come up with the result there. Um, just all in all for Cronulla, you you really got to worry about where they're at. And after building nicely, we've had the Johnson thing. You've got rumours around now. Hanno's comments the last two weeks. Chambers is running his own game. There's talk that him and Fafita aren't seeing eye to eye. There's a bit of tension in the group, so it's really not good signs for Cronulla. It's not, no. Um, I'm not looking good at all. No. Uh, their performances on the field have been inconsistent. Your discipline, they aren't connected in terms of what they, you know, what they stand for, what they want to do. Uh, even the coaches' decisions, play, playing decisions, it all looks a little bit out of um, out of shape at the moment. So it's certainly not conducive to having a deep run into the finals. And you know, realistically, I don't think we're we're expecting them to do that anyway. It's sort of, can they just jag themselves that? You know, fourth or fifth, uh, sorry, sixth or seventh, oh, sixth or seventh, seventh or eighth position. And realistically, you, you go, well, a, a week for them would be to get there and then, you know, an overachieve would be probably to win a finals game. But uh, I think they're a fair way off that now. I think they're in the box seat. And this is why I, I don't like looking at the draw because you would have just assumed that this was a game Cronulla would win. And that's why they were, you know, up until last week, I think they were the favourite out of all these teams to finish in the top eight. And then now because they've dropped that game, they've, they've fallen right away. So... Yeah, don't try and look at the draw too much because there's going to be a few surprises and speed bumps in the road for these teams between now and uh, at the end of round 25. Mm. Well, said it last week, why they may not be the worst team defensively as far as points conceded, they are the worst team in terms of pure tackling, whether it be one-on-one, team tackling, technique, just in all areas, and missed tackles again. On the weekend, they had 38 and had 32 ineffective. So it's not even just clean misses. Their, their tackling tech, full stop, is horrendous. To have those combined is essentially 70 misses. They just don't have a killer edge. Like they, they had the Warriors on touch. Well, they had, they had a second sin bid gifted to them to finish it off. Yeah, they like, played 25% of the game with one less player. Look, it's, it's incredible. Hmm. So... And I think Brown, it was funny to listen to the coaches, Brown essentially said he can sledge and do that at the highest level and stay on his game, and our blokes didn't. And he got us good, and then you hear Hanno on the flip side of it. Didn't like it last week, didn't like it again this week. Um, the Ovik said there was a bit of murmur about the group. Yeah, but you know who Will Chambers is. Exactly, like, and that's what you got when you bought him. Correct. I've got no sympathy for the Sharks or Hanno. Like, no. Nah. That's who Will Chambers is. I think they're... I, I got a little bit of mail off, off some people I know in and around, you know, Lodge and Lodge and Fafita are pretty yeah. much best mates. They're tight. So there was a little bit of stuff said and uh, yeah, Fafita and Chambers aren't getting along. No. So yeah, there's a there's a little bit going on there. But like, you know, I don't think that's that's an excuse for the performance. No. It's just plain and simply it's a game they should have won. And I, I, I dare say again, Chambers probably won't be part of the plan for Fitzgibbon and why Fafita hasn't... No, and the other point is, like, why if, if Fafita and um, Chambers have got issues, like, what, surely he was consulted before they brought him in. Oh, 100%. You think the whole group or any of those ex-guys in between the Melbourne Storm situation uh, and the Sharks would have been 
address. But I think for them, probably the one upside is they've made a lot of positive moves. They've got a coach coming in, and even for Fida, he may have a year run, but he's clearly not part of the long plan either. And it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to find a way again to move him, move part of the salary, medically retire, anything they can this offseason. I don't think either of them would be paying I think Hannah has avoided criticism in all this. Yeah. Like that, that decision to not take the two is borderline malpractice. Well, on top of that, they had another sin bin at the end there. So, I'm not saying that happens even if they do take the two, but they put themselves in a situation at least with two sin bins, a team that they should have had heavily fatigued to probably be better off in gold point. I've said this on the podcast before. Like, I've got a firm belief that to, to win a game, you need to avoid losing the game. To avoid losing the game, you take the two there every day of the week. 100%. It's, it's not even a discussion. It's a, you kick the two. It's a, it's a, it's a two that you know you're going to kick. Like, if, if it's on the sideline and your kicker says, well, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not confident, I'd probably still push him to kick it and just say, mate, just make sure it goes dead. Yeah. Because we're going to get possession back anyway. Like, I... Called for the two and he ever called it. I mean, so. that, that's one where um, the players got over with the coach. Yeah. Especially an interim coach. Yeah. Uh, like I had one incident of that this year um, where I tried to bring a front rower off um, with a free interchange and he blew up and said, No, I'm fucking staying. And everyone in the team agreed with him. And then when I actually explained that it was a free interchange and what I was going to do was rolling back bring on. You to the sideline and roll you straight back on. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And it's sort of like, okay, so that's why, you know, you need to trust, trust me, and trust that I know what the best thing, best thing is for, for the team. So I think the players also trust the coach in all the situations as well. So, mm. and unless you've got really, really strong leaders, you know, they're, they're not really going to push back when, when the coach says, you know, this is what we're doing, or sends a message out. Particularly a lot, of, a lot of young players that just agree and they, they roll with it. So, yeah, it's a, an interesting one. But, I, yeah, massive head scratcher for me. Yeah, well, we'll leave that one behind. Uh, for the Warriors, like I said, their two front rows on return were excellent. Josh Curran, one of his better games. Aitken, again, uh, having an impact on the edge of that try. He scored very powerful. And Walsh had a couple of moments. Again, I think big toll on a young guy. He's been a bit quieter the last few weeks, but again, people get video, people catch on that situation. Tavita Harris back from injury, they're starting to forge something, and that'll be something they build on next year. But yeah, for the Sharks, you know, Kennedy's been the real big positive this whole season, his development, but uh, yeah, a lot of missed opportunities. Defensively horrendous. The amount of missed tackles, like Fitzgibbon's a defensive coach. If there's one thing I expect next year to be a lot better, it'll be their defense or a lot of guys won't be playing. Yeah, 
Panthers Roosters twenty to fourteen. Good game of football. Uh, you know, a lot was made after the game about the Jared situation. I have even more respect for the Roosters and what they're doing now after hearing Robinson say, like, you know, he's carried himself with a back problem, a knee problem, a broken thumb or a broken hand. It was like he's been playing huge minutes. Uh, he obviously got bin the other night. It wasn't ideal. Uh, but I think overall for them in this game, early errors, bit of ill discipline. Um, and I think at the end of the day, that was the real difference. When, when they held the ball, got a bit of a crack at the back end of the game and started to get a bit of momentum. They found a couple of tries. They pressured the Panthers. And again, goal kicking was a bit of a difference. They scored the same amount of tries, but Penrith got the couple of extra penalty goals. And uh, I, I'm not going to defend Robinson. I don't think he... Don't think he was complaining essentially, but I do sort of see the argument like the Rory Hargroves one. Like lately, none of that shit's been cool. And why it was blatant as all hell at the back end of the game, the Tedesco one where Kenny and Martin, I think it was whoever laid on top, that they laid on for just as long in a critical situation. Yeah. Um, and Look, I thought the Roosters just never gave themselves a chance. No, their their discipline definitely cost them. The errors, the missed tackles, their penalties, their yeah, it was a very unrooster-like performance. But that yeah. one, that one frustrated me. Good enough to capitalise. Penrith weren't super impressive, but no. But that that call for me, why it was a blatant regrip, it just frustrated me because again, like the head highs, we just haven't no, seen I agree them. With you. I, I agree. And I, I don't have like it was a frustration, Sydney. Mm, but I don't, I don't have a foot in either camp. But I was really enjoying the game, and I just thought you fucking yeah, ruined I it, like. And then at the back end, you, yeah, you see the same thing at the back end of the game, and I'm like, that one was the same thing. And then the cr- the crushes also get me. Like I know Crichton's got repeat charges, but he's got three weeks for one that I thought was not super. I didn't think, I didn't think it was a crusher. No, but he, he, it's one of those ones again where when someone turns into it and you land, but then like kick out turned Manu into a suitcase and it wasn't even charged. So we talk about consistency again, and same deal as we'll get to later on Hetherington's one, and then you've got Palacio who's got no charges, but technically popped three blokes in the head the other night. One of them was an incidental shoulder where he didn't bend his back, but it cost Heimel Hunt the game and they didn't get a replacement. So I'm like, well, again, it's not targeting players or singing out clubs or any bias, but that word we talk about, consistency. Yeah, it's just also, like I keep saying, it's too many fucking rules. Yeah, and different interpretations. Too many interpretations and too many ways to suspend people. Mm. It's and different refs interpret rucks differently or some use the six again a lot more than others. Others don't. Like, it needs to be simpler. There has to be a fucking simpler way. But I looked at that sim bin and thought you that you wouldn't have given that one in the final. Wouldn't happen. No. There's no, no fucking way. No, no, that's right. But, yeah, well, if that... If that happened and it wasn't Jarabria Hargreaves and it wasn't the Roosters, mm. would, it, would it be a penalty? And again, at the back end of the game... There was a little bit again around... There was a little bit of chat through the media over the last couple of weeks about the Roosters and their repeated infringements, etc. So, you know, it's, it's not a surprise to me that then, you know, they, it turns out that someone gets sin-binned. Yeah. Because we know it ends up... You know, the referees have, um, they get the tips as well. You know, they're obviously looking for certain things within games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't shock me. Yeah. Well, Tedesco, Manu, huge influences on this game again. Manu almost playing like as a dual fullback and Teddy on the ball. 
he's been incredible. He had another big game. Um, like you said, they shot themselves in the foot a lot and their discipline didn't help. Like, I'm not defending everything, but the bin, I just thought, considering what's been happening the last few weeks, was overkill. Um, but, yeah, they kind of torched themselves and they come home late. But for Penrith, uh, I thought real good resilience, really good start. They were very aggressive. They pinned them. They got stuck into them. Burton's kicking game, his running game, he had a real big influence on the result. Uh, I think it's one of his better showings and opportunities to play in the halves. The way he got past Tedesco and then his second try just off that left-hand foot, big and strong, over the top of a couple of blokes. He, he was a real standout. And I think probably the most impressive thing for them, again, is seeing some of the younger guys, like Taylor May, 19-year-old kid. Again, I complained the other week about Staines' work, right? Like he tried to find the ball a bit more the other night, but he needs to because with other guys there and showing they can do a job, May's a 19-year-old first game, almost 200 metres off 17 carries. Six busts. Yeah. You know, he might have had an error uh, in there, um, but, you know, considering it was his debut in that sort of situation, proved his worth. Isaac Tago's minutes and his impact when he was on the field, just getting better and better. Another 19-year-old just continuing, you know, that setup for Penrith where we see guys come in, they do a job, and then you look at them and go, well, in 12, 18 months with another preseason and more football, you're going to be ready to fill a spot for somebody. Yeah. Yo, his influence being back in the team, whether it be his running, get between defenders, his link play, really freed up and helped those halves. I think that's another reason you saw better out of Burton um, and some of the moments he had. And Yeah, I just think overall good performance by them, and they've been affected, again, chopping and changing, different halves combinations. Kate Wellfield into the centres this week because Crichton's out now. He's out this week. Crichton comes back in. The halves, we don't know if Cleary's going to be back. Coruscant's in. Coruscant's now going to be back out. Martin's played in the front row. Now he's in the back row. Hopefully, hopefully, after this week, no more suspensions. If Nathan doesn't play the week after, like we said, the, the really unfortunate family situation that happened to Pungai Jr. And again, thoughts with him, um, that they get him back, Nathan back, fish out of the bubble, and we see a full-strength Penrith play south. I think for them... I don't care if he says that I'm fully fit. Well, apparently he did a heavy contact session this week and got through fine and they still didn't play him. So that's good. That's a decent sign at least he got through heavy yeah, contact. I, I do all, all the stuff that I need to do, I'd be going to train. Yeah. And for the Roosters... You know what's going to happen. As soon as he plays, he's going to make 40 tackles. Yeah, 100%. They're going to go after him. Uh, the Roosters, like we spoke about, I think they've done more than a ridiculously good job considering their circumstances... Um, but it just gets harder again. Jared, if he's been carrying all those injuries and now he's going to be missing this week um, through that circumstance. Crichton, now three weeks because of repeat offences. I thought that was very harsh for the tackle. But, um, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. You know the one thing I would say about Penrith and Nathan Cleary? I think they really need to be working on right now how they're going to protect that shoulder in terms of their defensive structure. Uh, you know they, they can't just plonk him in one spot on an, on the edge where he would normally be and allow teams just to run traffic at him. No, they have to do uh, the first. Got to have a plan to you know either shuffle him around on that edge or move him over to the other edge because we know that he plays as the link on both sides of the field. So you've got to make him hard to get at. Yeah, well, essentially you know, that, that's got to be at the top of the list of. Um, the Panthers coaching staff over the next, you know, however long until he plays, 
to really make sure that they're maximising or minimising the amount of tackles that he has to make when he does return to the team. Mm. Well, essentially, we're talking Thurston style back in the day. They used to move him after the shoulders on his edge or to the other edge, but he didn't just yeah, sit. I just think it's good coaching, right? It's just malpractice for them to plonk him out and yeah. just say to science, yeah, I'll fucking run at him. Let- it's not... Not, not going to be good, you know. Like you're just playing Russian roulette. So you got to, they got to get smart about how they're going to do it. You know, whether you move him to the wing, whether you know, you can't just have him sit as the third, you know, defender from from the sideline and allow teams just to fucking bombard him with that back row. You know, even, even defending the centre as a winger, they they just got to work out a way to to keep him out of as much contact as they possibly can. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Uh, but yeah, I think for them still getting a real judgment on where they're at the people are going they've been scratchy I'm like well fuck look at the team they've chopped and changed it's the first time they've been disrupted between origin and injuries they're at least getting a real look in the mirror of what it's like to be the Roosters or Melbourne when you've got rep players and you have injuries Um, but once they get everyone on the field I think they'll be you know red hot raring to go but obviously the big one is getting Nathan back and making sure he's all good and then if you've got Fish and Pungai and all those guys off suspension finally in the team if you could get a game or two before finals, I'm sure they'll be fit, fire, and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, Storm versus Eagles, 28-18. The Storm prevail in this one. Uh, a lot of noise afterwards for a lot of people about Manly proving that they were genuine. Uh, a lot of plaudits about, you know, they've magically unlocked the game plan to attack Melbourne. I don't really think it's rocket science. We've, we've seen this in the past. If you can move the point of attack, if you can get to the edges, if you can move the football... Sure, you can make meters, you can open them up a little bit, and particularly. Yeah, that's a game plan to attack any side. I thought that was yeah. probably what was understated, or it was overstated that it's the way to beat Melbourne. I think it's it's a good way to beat a lot of sides. One hundred percent. If you're not playing into the thick of someone and getting wrestled and dominated up the guts, well, clearly you're going to find space if you play at edges. Uh, the width was good. They got particularly a lot of traffic. They wanted to go left and get at Remus and Eremiah, who jumped in a few times on the tries that they created. Um, I think also for Manly though a lot was made at the end that oh you know it was just errors it was just errors well it's like well if you're going to play that shifting style there's risk versus reward so why you open them up why you find space if you're going to play that way naturally you're going to make errors so you need to be able to defend those errors and sure one or two of those tries for Melbourne come off kicks but I think the bigger takeaway for me here was I thought Melbourne marched downfield just as easily as what Manly did off the shift plays I certainly don't think they pinned Melbourne or stopped Melbourne from progressing or playing football and just as much on their side of things their left hand edge I thought uh, Olam gave a real good look to Morgan Harper and let him know uh, you know what you're kind of dealing with because he's had a fairly good run in recent weeks getting over the top of some guys and being physical and and winning those battles but he certainly was a handful Uh, and yeah also possession I know possession heavily went in their favour but again comes off the back of the same thing and making those errors I think the big question is can Manly improve with their best side so realistically out of that game that's probably their best side can they replicate that can they improve on that can they complete higher Um, but on the Melbourne side of things I still think no Felice no Nelson no Tui Kamikamika those two are part of your middle rotation Felice is your best edge and makes them much more stronger defensively on that right-hand side where Manly targeted with their left. And then you're talking about Harry Grant, who's only played two games. I thought he was outstanding. 
Yeah, and they're still got to figure out Pappenhausen. So I'm not saying Manly don't have improvement. I think they definitely take some confidence and positives away from this, but I think Melbourne's still got more to give. So I'd, I'd love to see this game again, though. I really would. Oh, yeah, I just thought it was a good game. It was a good game for the players that were available. I thought Manly gave a really good account of themselves. So. 100%. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. And just, like I said, you... The risk first reward I was big on, but you got to clean up some small stuff like LOEA play one error off the kickoff after the points. You can't do it. Croker, good ball, play two, chucks one into the ground. Like moments like that, and same as Tommy. Like I still thought Tom had a good game, but you see the difference against a team like Melbourne to limit what he does. They didn't let him run. They didn't let him push to the middle. They didn't let his carries out of yardage really be of any great effect. Um, they made him pass and. They found the right spot. They found a young guy, Aaron Meyer, who jumped in front of his centre two times, which is a mistake, and Melbourne recovered on a couple of them. One of them was when Garrett got barreled over the sideline. He was good enough to finish a couple others, and probably the other one's a blatant mistake. How Hines threw that pass, I have no idea. All three of those guys were all up and in the line. Like, there's no way you throw that pass at any stage. No, as soon as he threw it, he knew it. Yeah, and then, like I said, on the flip side... People say, oh, that's only drops. I'm like, well, yeah, drops or not, similar to the intercept. Like, it's one of those plays that just you don't make. So, Tom generally doesn't drop the ball. He did, and a Melbourne player was there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Melbourne definitely should have done more with the ball, but uh, I still think they've both got a lot to work out, and I think we're looking at two genuine contenders for the title. If, if Manly can get Paseca back and stay healthy and improve on that performance, they're certainly a threat. Clean up those errors. If they clean up, like I said, that percentage a little bit and get a bit more possession in the game at least, they're certainly a red hot crack, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, good game of football, enjoyed it, and would love to see it again. Both sides full strength in the finals, that'd be a cracker game. But um, moving on from that one, what have we got here? I've missed one, have I? Mm, oh no, I haven't. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you could two games, I mean. Tigers, uh, the Tigers Bulldogs game. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, I've missed uh, my own bloody. Might as well it. Yeah, well, I was going to say this one. I think uh, can be summed up as it generally was. Tigers patchy in and out of the game, got a lead, then let the lead slip. The Bulldogs, same problem. They've always got points, um, yeah. all effort, always trying, created some opportunities, but you know, bar that one cracker try early in the game where Meany goes to the middle. The halves back up, the flick pass, Avrilo, etc. Um, there wasn't really a lot of glorious moments in attack, and the Tigers, it's the same frustration as always. Just couldn't go on with the result in and out of the game. Same handful of blokes consistently playing well. Luciano, outstanding when he's attacking, 11 bus, 120 metres, scores a try, but still frustrating defensively. Dewey, their best player week in, week out. Again, running, carrying, offloading, but um, yeah, they're, they're not a threat. They're not playing finals. For the Bulldogs, I don't mind what they've done um, in terms of the last few weeks. I like to see Biondi get an opportunity. He showed some spark while he played out of nine. Six is his natural position. Same deal the next few weeks for them. Anyone they're not sold on, anyone that's younger, anyone out of those contracts that's potentially going to be there for another year for development because they're not going to go out and spend money. You just got to roll through that roster and see what you got. Yeah, we agree with that. Mm. Um, I think Bjorn has been good mm. in, the, in the time he's... Definitely. Um, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. 
was. It was just, it was, it was a really tough watch. Yeah. Really tough I think the only point to bring out of this, and similar again, we talk about consistency. Hetherington was binned on reputation, not his action. Yeah, that's horseshit. That was a crock of shit. Um, that was I, horseshit. Um, horseshit, him binning it was rubbish that he's been. What, what's he getting suspended? How many weeks? Oh, I don't know, but because of all the priors, there's automatic loading, which pretty much puts you at the mercy of, of that. You know, that charge, as soon as he got binned and got charged, it pretty much put him under the gun. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and with that and Thompson being out, you know, that's why they've had to loan players in. But they pretty much said as much today. You look at that, he's almost in an Adrian Morley situation. He's played 38 games, he's missed 15. 100%. So he's at a point now where he does have to clean it up. We've already said that before. He's his own worst enemy. But like that one there... When you compare that to, again, like I said, Palacera on Friday got three in a game. I'm like, well, if you've had fucking three, if the refs in the bunker are following their job, surely by the third one you end up in the bin. You think so? It's not one infringement. It was multiple infringements. Yeah. But if that was Victor Radley or Jared or somebody else, maybe the first one or Lucky Jack, straight away you're gone. Like, it's one thing to have a rep. It's another thing to be like, that tackle's not even on the scale of the other one. Judge it, the tackle on its merit. Yeah, be consistent yeah, no, that, no, that's no, the no. fucking point uh, yeah. yeah like I said I, I don't have a lot of sympathy because most of the time he's his own worst enemy that, that one was harsh yeah uh, and the one to finish off Titans Cowboys this one can be summed up fairly easily as well you need the ball and <laughs> the Cowboys just did not have the football 100% you need the ball like, my god the first half I swear it felt like all I did was watch your mob attack them that's it yeah, and I, look, I thought they did well to defend as strong as they did. Mm. Um, I thought the, the score could have easily been a lot worse. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I, I didn't think the Titans were bad. I, you know, we probably could have been a little bit more clinical, but, yeah, I, I thought the Cowboys were um, really brave in the first half with their defence. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a game that I was a little bit nervous, nervous about. Like, I'm not... I'm not really nervous about the next two weeks. Like, I know we'll give um, South and Melbourne uh, a good run. You know, like, we'll turn up ready to play, but it's always those games that they're expected to win that they, they struggle with a little bit. But um, that's three on the bounce now. Three games that they, you know, I remember saying three weeks ago that they just had to, had to have. Mm. Um, they've got them now, so... The, the two there now, like I think they play, is it the Warriors they play and then they play Newcastle? Like they're the two that are now must wins. And you, you go into these South and, and Melbourne games now, not thinking, well, shit, we have to win these games. But because you've done a good job over the last three weeks, you sort of go in and go, okay, well, let's have a red hot crack here. Let's really focus on our defence and, and see what happens. I'd, I'd give us zero chance against Melbourne because I think that'll be the. If Melbourne win this week, that'll be the, the game to break the record. So I I can't see Melbourne. It'll be to equal the record, isn't it? Nineteen. Okay, to equal the record. Yeah, I knew it'd be. Either. Yeah, okay. I think. So I, I just I think there's I don't think there's been enough made of that record and and Melbourne and I think their appetite to break it. Yeah. I think they'll have a really really strong appetite to break it. Yeah, to break the record. I, just, I give. I give. The teams they're playing the next three weeks, or however many weeks it is until they break it, almost no chance of beating Melbourne. Well, they've got 
Raiders this week for 18. You guys to equal the Roosters with 19. And then Parramatta would be round 24 to break the record. Yeah, good luck. And then round 25, they have Cronulla, which would be an option to either rest everyone. To rest, potentially, yeah. Depending on how they feel, that would affect them. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think the point they've got to now, they're going to want to break it. But I was happy with the Tigers. I think Sexton's doing a good job. Ash Taylor's still frustrating the shit out of me. Brimson, I think, has been off the boil. And Norwich just done good enough. But, you know, there's plenty of good there, but there's, there's plenty there. You just go, that, that's not good enough. Yeah. It's going to cost us against good teams. I also think, I like the fact that they've found something with the whole bring for feeder on at the 20, 25 minute and there's fatigue and they introduce him and he, he comes in keen. But I still go back to, you're paying $1.2 million and you're going to play teams like South Melbourne. You're not fucking playing off the bench. You play 80 there's minutes. No way, there's no way in the world come this weekend he's starting off the bench. No. no way in the world. If he's on the bench and they're down by fucking 18 points already, he ain't, he ain't changing that. Yeah. But like, that's not the role of a $1.2 million player. No, that's more the point. These, these are the games that we talked about a few weeks ago where I'm saying the last few weeks has been great, but I don't care. You've done that against teams outside the eight. These are the games where you're now looking at David Fida saying, let's go. Yeah. Get yourself on the ball, whether it's even if it's not coming to your edge. If you were not involved in the game, get involved in yardage and just use that carry. Get some bodies in. Get us to play the ball. Get us an offload. Flip sides of the field. He, he doesn't have to be parked on one side of the field. He's been playing left and right the last few weeks. Make a fucking impact in a big game. Yeah. That's what you're being paid big dollars for. Yeah, no, I don't. No. Well, that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. We jump into our tips and preview of Around 22, brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, there is no one better than bluebet.com.au. Visit the website or download the app today. Uh, no win last week. I think we had a roll at the Roosters 1-12 to to maybe get a tight one. They were close, but not quite close enough, so still on 599. Uh, and the first game to kick us off is the Storm up against the Raiders. Uh, and in terms of lineups for this week, for Melbourne, they've got a couple of guys back. Felice is back from suspension. Nelson is back from an injury. So Tom Eisenhuth and Tepai Ramoa move out of the side. Two big-ins for their forward pack. Pappenhausen uh, had a bit of a knock at the back end of the game, but he's expected to be right to go. He's been named in the 17, but if he is to pull out, interesting to see who they bring in. For the Raiders, Bailey Simonson returns on the wing with Sammy Valame dropping out. I think they said he has a f- fractured larynx or throat, trachea, something like that. He's got a one of those awkward injuries. So... Uh, Bailey Simonson straight back to the wing. Rapano retains the fullback spot. Soliola joins the bench. And Elijah Anderson, who debuted and played four minutes last week, he's been dropped out of the side. Uh, like I said, I just haven't seen anywhere near enough from Canberra. Um, even at their best, I, I'm sort of with you now. I think Melbourne will really want to charge for this record. In, they've played a couple of tougher games. They had a flat week against the Cowboys after short turnarounds, lots of travel. They had a big game against Manly on the weekend. Short a couple of key forwards. Uh, they get the Raiders, they get the Titans, and they bounce into Parramatta. I, I think there's a great potential here, like you said, to just really launch into these next three games and then potentially just rest a lot of guys for the last game. Yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Um, I expect Canberra. Canberra going to come out with the exact same game plan as they play uh, Parramatta with. They will lay, they will wrestle, they will 
do as much as they possibly can to just shake the shit and frustrate Melbourne. And I, I don't think it'll work, so no. I'm tipping Melbourne. I think similar to the Newcastle game where they couldn't quite win the middle of Melbourne with those guys back and their pack will not only match it, but with the dual hooker situation, I think Cheese and Harry Grant in particular, how bad they've been defensively of recent times. Harry Grant could have a field day if Melbourne do a good job the first 2025. Uh, but we're both on the Storm and Bluebet.com agree at $1.07 for the Melbourne Storm. The Canberra Raiders 8.50 minus 23.5 is a huge line there uh, for that game. Dragons, Panthers is the early Friday night game and on the Dragons side of things, all the players are now back from that ban. Beal and Kerr, the last two, they return this week. Jared Beal comes in the centres. Cody Ramsey's out after snapping those two front teeth. That was horrendous. Uh, he will unlikely play again this year. Tarek Sims charged with a careless... It was horrendous that he wasn't wearing a mouth guard. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you there. Tarek Sims, he's been charged. He's missing this game. Fuimano comes back from another suspension. He fills that gap. And Josh Kerr... He joins the bench. Jaden Hunt moves back to the reserves. And for the Penrith Panthers, Catewell, or sorry, Crichton is in for Catewell after one band suspended. The other one's now suspended. Uh, Brent Naden's called onto the wing. Taylor May drops back to the reserves. Coruscant was guilty, so no doubt Mitch Kenny will come back in. Jermaine Hopgood comes onto the interchange with Spencer Lanu out of the side, and Cleary is still there in the 21. So have to uh, keep our eyes on that. And Pungai Jr., um, as I said, personally for an issue last week, he's in the 21, but uh, not sure if he'll be playing. So looking at what they've got there, Kenny going in opens a spot up on the bench. They've got Hopgood, Sorensen, Isaac, Tago. If it is not going to be Pungai Jr. and Nathan isn't brought in full stop to the 21, uh, I guess the real move there is if Nathan was back, Burton would push someone out of the centres more than likely um, and whether they carry them on the bench or they put him to the bench to be that utility cover I don't know if not they're probably more than likely to carry Jamin Salmon if it's not Pungo Jr. or Cleary you're not going to carry a winger in May on the bench so uh, regardless of who's missing here yeah regardless of who's missing here I've got zero confidence in the Dragons so I'll be sticking with Penrith yeah me too but this is Dragons season. Lose here, you're done. So, you know, you speak about teams, uh, you know, draws, etc. This is like, they have to have it. That's it. They, they don't win here, they're gone. Mm. Well, so I, expect, I expect the Dragons to be to be strong and to put everything into it, but Penrith have just got not more to play for, but they've got their eyes on bigger prizes, and I'm just not sure. The Dragons, particularly without Ben Hunt, are going, to have, are going to be able to just have enough threats across the park to to, to beat the Panthers. Mm. Well, I think I know where I'd be going. The edges are Billy Burns and Terrell Fuimana, uh, Norman and Clune. Clune certainly puts himself in front, but if uh, that left-hand side, I think it's going to be, is going to have Beal for Guy and probably Norman, I think I'd be running a shitload of traffic down that edge. Um, I think you can expose their back row and their half pairings at the moment and Beal coming back in. I think Crichton hasn't played anywhere near his best form this year. If you're ever going to get a better matchup, it's going to be a 31-year-old guy who spent all of last year playing Q Cup and was retired. If you're going to burn someone, this is the week. Yeah. So, 
look interested to see how they play. But Penrith, heavy favourite with bluebet.com.au. They're $1.13, $6 for the Dragons. 18.5 is the line there. Broncos, Roosters. Now, this one is definitely interesting given what's happened with the Roosters. So, Copley is now coming in on the wing. Manu's gone back into the centres uh, given the situation they've got there injury-wise. Hutchison and Walker are still the halves. Liu starts in the front row of Tokiaho with Jared out injured. Verrills are still at nine. Nat Butcher starts again in the back row with Satili now that Angus is suspended. Radley at lock. In the bench, Lamb, Egan Butcher, who's been good. Fletcher Baker and a debut for Nahafu White, another one of these guys who's come all the way from ball and flag to now play NRL, much like Tukahau Tupua early did in the year. Uh, and for the Broncos, heavy changes again. Croft, who was playing last week and hooked and now confirmed to the Super League, he's out of the team. I'm sure that is the last we'll see of him. Azarko's out, Arthurs is out, and Palacio is obviously injured as well. So an absolute mass of changes for Brisbane. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo comes into the centres now to fill one spot. Xavier Coates, after being left out in the cold for multiple weeks, is back on the wing. Albert Kelly's now the halfback with Gamble, so another change in the halves. Flegler replaces Palacera in the front row. Glenn Mariki, Hetherington in the back row. Willison's on the bench again with Reese Kennedy, Bullimore, and T.C. Rabadi moves in from 18th man. So, um, Brewster's plays just coaching squad depth. Yeah. Well, they rolled, them, they rolled them once this year, and they've been playing well. The um, other issue is that Parramatta... Manly are playing in the other game. You know one of them is going to win, one of them is going to lose. So for top four aspirations, this is a game that they have to have. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with the Chooks. I'll stick with the Chooks, but again, uh, early in the year when they had better players, they caught one here. I think Brisbane will still have their tail up. Uh, I think this will be closer than what we think. No, I agree with you, yeah. I agree. I think it's almost a, not a flip of the coin, I'd probably slightly favour the Roosters, if I was the bookies, maybe dollar eighty-two dollars without knowing the odds. But um, yeah, I, I just lean slightly to the Roosters. Mm. Well, with BlueBet.com, there's a bit of value there. Yeah, I think with the line in particular, the Broncos are four twenty-five, a dollar twenty-two <laughs> for the Roosters with the players they're missing, and the line the Roosters dollar twenty-two. Wow! And you get fourteen and a half start. Yeah, I don't like starts. So. Well, I did. I had a good win last week with Roosters and Manly combined. So. Yeah, but the players don't care how much they're going to lose. No, I know. But that's what I'm going to lose. When a line's like that, and I think it's going to be close, I'm happy to take it sometimes. Yeah, if you think the line's out, then definitely. Well, yeah. Last week, I took Roosters 18.5 early when they were like 390. They obviously shortened in. So I well and truly covered that, and I got like a dollar sixty something, I think. And Manly, I took right at the start of the week, similar deal. I took 12.5 and, and 18.5 and in two different multis, and I got, you know, a similar deal, like $1.70, $1.60 early. So, um, yeah, I think that's not bad value with bluebet.com if you like Brisbane to, to put up a bit of a fight, and they're going to want to finish strong, so I'll be interested. But, yeah, lots of changes and another halves combination there for them. See how that plays out. Early Saturday game. Good weather, hopefully, at Seabus. Should be plenty of points scored. South up against the Gold Coast Titans. And for South, no changes to the 17 that had that good win last week. Uh, and for the Titans, similar deal. One change, only change being Peachy comes in 
back from suspension. Aaron Clark pushes out and Fogarty while he's recovering in the 21. Holbrook has said that while he's been great for us this year, I'm really happy with the way the halves are going at the moment and I think they're combining well. So uh, no surprise why things are going well. You ride the hot hand. 100% you do, my friend. Uh, I'm definitely sticking with South. I think, again, they're building to something, but I'm more interested, again, in this one just to see the Titans resolve. Can they get into a cycle? Can they, you know, not only try and score points, which is one thing they do very, very well, but can they legit just go set for set, be resilient, and not concede? Yeah, passing right back to earlier in the year, the Titans went hammer and tong with South and they just couldn't stop South from scoring. It was, I think it ended up maybe 40 to 30. Yeah, after. The might have led by 12 or 14 at one point. Yeah. Um, maybe even at half time. But, uh, yeah, the issue is going to be can can the Titans' defence stand up against a good side? I've, I've got a I've got a good feeling about this game as a, as a Titans man, but usually when I have a good feeling about games, they get beat by 40, so I'll... <laughs> Uh, well, the main thing, they've got that for more for feeder switch again. I, I just don't see how you can do it. I really don't. Uh, I think Taylor, Sexton, going to see plenty of traffic from both the back rails. In particular, I think Taylor is the left side. So Keon Collow, Matungi, I like to see him. And then the Trell. No doubt the Trell is going to try and get to those edges, try and create some opportunities there. So some really good matchups. Interested to see um, how this one pans out. But... Definitely on board with South Sydney to keep building the momentum. You're on with South? Yeah. Yeah. And they're $1.16 favourite with bluebet.com.au. The Titans 5.25. 16.5 is the start you get there if you think that one is going to be close. Tigers Cowboys at Country Bank Stadium uh, for the Cowboys. An absolute swag of changes. They've got injuries. HIAs. Um, Jason Tumalo's broken a hand again, a fracture. I think it's like the second or third time this season. Murray, mm, Murray Tuolagi, his head knock and Burr, they're both going to miss as well. Ben Condon moves from the bench to take the back row spot of Tamalolo. Ben Hampton goes from the wing to the centres, along with Jake Granville in the centres. Jeremiah Nenai and Griffin Neem are two new faces debuting on the bench. So I think... They've had a horrendous injury toll as well. I showed, talked about that thing last week. They had the second most injuries compared to um, the Roosters. This this is like number 13 and 14, so I think he's just doing the best thing. They've got a lot of good kids in their pathway. He's blooded a lot during the year. I think they're at the point where this losing streak, it's not getting any better. So just finished the year getting games into all those guys as well. Um, name, Griffin yeah, Neem. They look like a patchwork quilt, don't they? So yeah. they'll be going with the Tigers. Same. Neem is a very, very strong middle from New Zealand, and I think Nenai's come to their pathways, plays multiple positions. He's played back row, centre. Um, Arcee, who I thought would have got more football, he gets a run in the centres with Lamilu dropped out. Molo comes back in. Gilbert. Um, Ruben Cotter. He's not quite ready this week, uh, and neither is Hamiso. He's still going to miss a couple more weeks. But, yeah, this is a very young side with Neem, Nenai, Gilbert, Lukey, Condon, RC, like they're, they're pretty much pushing a lot of those guys in and trying to bring in this next generation. Yeah, no reason. Yeah. Take it. And, uh, yeah, on the Tiger side, in terms of changes, 
they've picked the same 17. The only difference, obviously, is that 21. And, yeah, they weren't impressive last week, but this is another one for them. If they want any mathematical chance, this is it. Um, I'm on the yeah, Tigers as well. The Dragons are just going to keep winning. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith, but you couldn't be given a better situation with a bunch of rookies, so they should be able to impose their will. Otherwise, they're kidding themselves. But Bluebet, a lot less trustworthy in this one. They've got... The Tigers at a dollar sixty-one. Cowboys still at two dollars thirty. Minus three and a half is the line. Yeah. Uh, Manly Para finishes off. Steer clear of that one, punters. Oh yes, Manly Para finishes off Saturday night, and uh, a very vulnerable Parramatta side at this point in time needs to have a response, and they've got a bit of a reshuffle. And Manly, similar deal. They lost Paseca for at least two to three weeks, and simply for that crusher tackle. So their two middles are out. Aloye starts at prop. Deloise, who did a job a few weeks ago, comes back along with Sirinan. Kepi's still unavailable for a few more weeks. And with the Eels, the loss of Marnie is huge. Lusick feels his spot. Kafusi is being rested with his head knock this week. Papalee, who's been such a gun on the edge, is moving into the middle. Lane's coming off the bench to go back into the back row. And debutante, Makahisi Makatoa. He's been waiting a hell of a long time. I've watched him play for multiple clubs in New South Wales Cup. He's debuting off the bench at age 28. Um, and they've canned Ferguson. They went to Dunster, and now they've canned Dunster. They've gone to Oldfield to play on the wing. doesn't surprise me. Dunster was diabolical last week. Mm, so, looking for a different answer. Yeah, looking for a different answer and going for a veteran. Um, even with those changes, Syrian's a very handy player to have on your bench. I really still like the way that Manly approached last week. They'll get plenty of confidence. I think they'll love the matchups on the edges. Opacek, Wanga Blake, Moses, like he's going to get plenty of traffic. There's no doubt about that. Um, my, my one gripe here, like I love Papa Lee, but when you're doing the job that he's doing on the edges, I would have preferred putting Nia Kore in the front row with Paulo, leaving Papa Lee on the edges play Lane off the bench as a middle rotation just to get him on the ball. Uh, Lee can probably give you good minutes there, but I just think how effective he's been on the edge. I know they probably need a little bit of help with their middle, but you're taking away from probably your best edge weapon. Yeah. Um, there just needs to be more out of the other guys. You need more out of Nathan Brown, who's not playing that well. You need more out of Junior Paula, who essentially at the moment is a 120-kilo halfback. Just run the fucking football. I think some of these guys need to do a better job, but especially with Lussick there, they're going to have to simplify things. Yeah, that's fair. So they need to narrow their focus in the middle, uh, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, for Manly, I think this could get ugly again. They beat them well last time when they were building some momentum. Um, I think this is a good opportunity again. I'm not going to say a huge score, but, yeah, I think they'll take a lot of confidence out of last week, so I'm on Manly. Yep, me too, man. Yeah, with Bluebet... Dollar twenty two, Parramatta four twenty five, fourteen and a half the start there for the Parramatta Eels. Uh, and Sunday the two games to finish us off, Warriors and the Bulldogs at Redcliffe first up, and changes are plenty with obviously those couple of players who built bit on the Chambers situation. Kane Evans, he got a suspension, Matt Lodge misses another two weeks, uh, and Dallin got charged tonight. One real upside for them. Jackson Fry finally makes his NRL debut. He's had a swag of injuries over the last couple of years. He's back from another knee reconstruction. He will debut at 23 in the front row. Uh, Jermaine Tanoa Brown comes back onto the bench. And uh, obviously that change with Dallin, they've got him listed here 
as starting on the wing, but looking at who they've got in the reserves now, Edward Cozy is in the 21. Chad Townsend's an option, as is Wade Egan in the 21. So you'd probably expect a few late changes there if those guys are past fit to go. Yeah. Uh, and on the flip side of that, on the Bulldogs, similar again. Those suspensions have really, really hurt. So they've rolled in some cover for Napa and Hetherington. Obviously, Ryan James straight in to start in the front row. Corey Horsberg is off the bench. Uh, and besides that, on the Bulldog side of things, it's pretty similar side to last week, except Arva pushes up to start in the front row as well. Dory goes back into the second row with Waddell dropped out of the squad. And, yeah, a couple of changes there. But I'd like to think that their effort will be rewarded at some stage. They're running with Kiku Manu on the wing again. Beyond Diodo gets another crack in the halves. But, again, when you've got lone players in, when you don't have a whole lot happening in your middle, I think it's it's a cry too far. And even though those losses for the Warriors and the constant chopping and changing will hurt, I still think they'll have some confidence and want to finish the year strong. So I'll stick with the Warriors. Oh yeah, the doggies, man. Upset. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise just... me. It really wouldn't surprise me. The, the Warriors have yeah, pulled... I, yeah, just my gut's telling me to tip the dogs. Yeah, well, they've pulled two from the fire, the Warriors, after losing a lot close ones. So you're right, they might ro- get rolled this week. They've had two very close games, but Blue oh, Bet, they disagree, but they've got it closer... Uh, than probably most would expect. Warriors are a dollar thirty-two, three forty for the Bulldogs, and eight and a half is the start. So they're not overly sold. They think it'll be closer, but yeah, I think the Warriors, like you're saying, the Tigers game was a huge comeback last week. Definitely not expected. It's it's been two really big weeks, so it could be a come down. You don't know. But the last one to finish this off, critical game. Sharks must win up against Newcastle, who's essentially again. For and against is horrendous. They just have to keep winning. This would move them into the eight, I'd assume, depending on the results for the Titans and the Raiders, who have much harder games this weekend. But for the Sharkies, Will Chambers, like we said, he's in the reserves. Talakai moves back to the centres, which is very dangerous. Uh, why he's very good in attack defensively and laterally, he's been picked on when he's gone there. Williams goes from lock to the back row. Rudolph drops back to prop and takes over at number 13. Yamanueli steps up to the front row and Billy Magulius comes onto the bench and uh, no major injuries after that game. But the Knights, Bradman Best, he got sent for a scan this week, but it looks like he's been cleared. Jaden Braley returns after being arrested. Fitzgibbon's going to miss the clash with a shoulder injury. Barnett goes back to the edge. Watson starts at lock and Heimel Hunt will have to wait and see. Uh, what happens with his HIA assessment during the week. And Simi Sasungi comes on the bench to fill that utility role left by Watson. Uh, with Braley coming back in, a bit of confidence. It's good to see Clifford and Pierce. They were really, really good last week in particular. Clifford looks more confident with Pierce. He took some pressure off him. Uh, that forward pack, the Twins, Frizzell's game last week, they were huge. Uh, I'm going to stick with a hot hand in Newcastle. Me too, my friend. Interesting to see the response from the Sharks. Um, but, yeah, they've been really frail on the edges. Ramian is on that left-hand side. Why he's been outstanding in attack defensively at times, he can be exposed. Talakai on the right probably won't see as much traffic because they don't play as heavy to the right. But I definitely think they should design a little bit of their attack to get at that side of the field, that's for sure. Try and get Frizzell 
on that side and get some interest. Williams moving out there, he doesn't generally defend there. He's more of a middle defender, so there's a couple of options there. Uh, that's for sure for the Sharky, uh, for the Newcastle side. Yeah. Uh, and the odds here a bit closer. Uh, Blue Bet have got the Knights at double forty six two seventy for the Sharks and six and a half is the line there. So there you go. last week uh, you got the highest round. You're on one hundred and twenty. I'm on one fourteen. Gossip one nineteen. Well, sorry, that's uh, Gossip Roasty on 119, sorry, and Gossip's on 117. So you're in the lead, uh, tight with Roasty, and I've just absolutely fallen away. You've hit a, um, you've hit a bit of a speed bump in the road. Uh, I've been bad this year, and even in our, uh, our confidence pool, I had a swing on the weekend. I got all my top points, and I went for an upset because I knew a few people were going to be keen on Melbourne and, the, and Penrith for high points. So I thought this is worth putting my one and two on these two and just hoping someone spills. Uh, they both had a chance. They didn't get the job done. But, yeah, I'm at the point now where I need to take a swing in our confidence tipping pool. So. Yeah, I, um, I forgot to put my tips on a couple of times in my school tipping comp, which is the only, the only real, well, apart from the confidence pool, but the only real tipping comp I go in, so... I'm only on 116 in the school one. I've, I've missed um, four Thursday night games just because of training. And you don't get the away side or anything. You just get you get duck eggs. So. Yeah. And the leader, the leader in that comp is on 121. So, oh yeah, I could be right up there. Still plenty of time to go. Mm. Well, all those odds. I remind you, I can jump on now and put my tips on. Oh yes, all those odds, tips and a bit of a look into the round ahead are brought to you by bluebet.com.au If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the True Blue Bookie, they support us, they support our charity, Bears of Hope get on board with bluebet.com.au download the app today or visit the website, is there any bets you like this week, was there any of those games or odds that took your fancy? I like the doggies I like the doggies odds Like I said, I'm sure I'd go and lay the farm on but Yeah, I don't know. Well, who's your big mate from Manly? I like R2. Yeah, let's go and throw some money on him. I backed him twice and he let me down. I was I, I was on him the week before for a few weeks. It was like Satili. I rode the Satili train for four or five weeks. I got off it this week. Yeah, I just, he's going to be running it. Uh, Moses. One of those power edges, yeah. Well, Moses is the left-hand side. So that's who he's running at. Him and Harper are going to be running at Moses and is it Wunger on that side? Yeah, it is too. So, yeah, Harper, Olakowatu. Let's get on him to score a try. I'll tell you what, the uh, the old try scorers for Manly, they, they boosted up last week. They're now sitting third, fourth and fifth. It's looking good. Craziness. Uh, but yeah I think that side of the field in particular the other edge they've put oh sorry no that's not even old field is it that's no no that is that's the the other side the left side now has got old field playing on the outside of Opcheck so there's a few spots there they'll definitely go Brown's really good defensively I don't think Brown is someone they'd really try to target but mind you they've changed the back row set up so Papa Lee's also not on that edge now, it'll be Lane next to Moses and that. He hasn't been defending much on the edge this year, so 
Um, it'd be interesting to see how those changes pan out. Yeah. But there you go. Another week done. And uh, we're getting closer to finals time. So big thanks to Penrith Solar Centre and bluebet.com.au. Support both of them. Support us. Again, rate, review, iTunes, any feedback. If you're bored, if you've got any questions, like I said, I think Brock... Uh, who was the two I sent to you? I think it was Joel Whaling. He was looking for a bit of help and Chris Crow. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple just about some players and obviously a couple today. I think it was old friendy on Twitter. He just had a question about the Newcastle thing that I've sent back. So again, if you're bored, if you're looking for a footy chat, you got any questions, we're always here. And uh, like I said, I obviously put you on those other guys because you're better for resources than I am. Again, stay active, stay happy, talk to your friends, talk to your family, hit us up if you need to. Hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. And uh, for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.